Ah, hello, my friends. And yet another embarrassing intro to the Enlightened Brothers podcast. That wasn't embarrassing. Um, last episode, you saw us uh, spin or whatever we were doing onto the camera. And this episode, we were doing a march um, to emulate storm- stormtroopers, I believe. So, yeah, we used a nice little uh, Star Wars intro. Have we ever shown our entire bodies on the Enlightened Brothers podcast? I think. You guys yes. know what our feet look like? Yeah, episode one, I was wearing my uh, La- Lacoste canopy shoes, uh-huh. and um, I like put my feet up, and then like we also did the ent- extra or outro, sorry, okay. um, with our bodies in it, but not often. I don't think you guys have seen my toes, so maybe episode fifty we'll have a toe I, review. That was for the Enlightened Brothers only fans we talked about last episode. Oh yeah, unless that unless that got edited. No, you're out. right. You're right. You're right. Uh, that's a good marketing ploy. Yeah, I mean, because we'll we're now going to start selling the unedited versions mm-hmm. of the Enlightened Brothers for, what, 5 $3 a month? Yeah. yeah. I heard they're already, like, leaking them onto Reddit. So. Yeah, that's crazy. But man. we I take them down as I don't even know how they got hold them. of footage mm-hmm. that we haven't even put out yet. That's crazy. Um. Anyway, so, oh, wait, I forgot. What, what's this? Spring break, baby, part, part three. three. Let's go. Let's go. Yesterday, me and Emery actually went to the beach. You know, he met him in a bombastic baddie like he said he was going to. Hey, hi, Felicia. <laughs> How you been? <laughs> no, in our reality, we didn't uh, plan on getting wet or anything like that. And um, we all ended up getting wet. We didn't bring shorts or towels or anything, and there was yeah. a huge storm after. Um, yeah, so it was pretty tough. It was crazy, but uh, let me just say, having sand in your toes <laughs> is supremely overrated. Because I, I had... It's just a, not a good feeling. It's a measure of utility because I don't not know if feeling. the benefit of going to the beach with your friends outweighs the nasty feeling you have oh, after. Oh, and if you think that you don't need a towel at the beach, you need a you towel do. at the beach. You need a towel at the beach, oh. no matter the circumstances. All right. Well, um, we have some, uh, you know, customary things we have to get to. So, uh, what episode are we on today, Emery? Episode. 19, 19 baby let's go! let's go and as you can see per our new format we have the one solo then two guest episodes mm. you see a chair in the middle you see a microphone right there so you already know what's coming on um but we have an absolute special guest today a special human um Someone who I've known for quite some time now. Somebody I can truly call one of my good friends. And I'm excited for uh, our episode today. I feel like it's going to be exciting. Lots of um, brain energy yeah. uh, bouncing around here. Our next guest is probably the most enlightened schoolmate that I've met at school other than Caleb. That can probably teach you guys a lot of things. Teach us a lot of things during the course of this podcast. And we're very glad to have him on stage today. He is somebody that has... Watch every single episode of the Enlightened Brothers podcast so far. Let's go, baby. It's crazy. Let's I think go. Caleb's the only one that's done that. Let's go. And maybe I mean, our parents. I mean, I edit the thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my father. And probably Samantha Sammy. Yeah, Samantha Sammy. Shout out to you. But yeah. uh, you got a competitor. I think that that's about it. Let's yeah. bring him in. Yeah. Let's bring him in. Snap, crackle, pop. My man. Enter the floor. Let's go. Actually, I really appreciate the intro. Yes, yeah, sir. man. How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. That's good, man. Um, well, uh, as I usually 
ask every guest. We're just going to get right into it. Who are you? Um, I am, as I believe everyone is, someone special. My name is Jaron Johnson. Uh, I'm an author, a speaker, and quote me on this. So when this pops up in the future in like 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Uh, the future, undisputed, greatest neurosurgeon of all time. <laughs> yes, Ooh. sir. That's what I like Ooh. to hear. That's what undisputed. I like to hear. Well, you just talked about two things that I'm like, just like very excited over. I forgot to mention the book and it was our plan to uh, bring it up on the podcast today. I can't believe yeah. that slipped my mind. And also um, your connection to neuroscience, because on this podcast, we talk about, um, well, at least I talk about computational consciousness a lot, mm -hmm. and as well as brain-computer interfaces, and I feel like you can give some insight into that uh, on this episode. So we have a lot of things to talk about. But yeah, first and foremost, your book. You're an author, you said. Yeah. Tell us about it. Promote, promote. Yeah, so I guess I'm not really much of a promoter, but mm -hmm. the book is called The Cave. Um, it was kind of cool because unlike most authors, I got the chance to write with my much younger self uh, and kind of create like, a, I don't know, like a co-authorship with someone that is me, but thought of the world in a completely different way. Right. And yeah. so I left a large part of it unedited. Um, but I fixed it around to where it could tell a continuous story with a plot that also had ties to science and pretty much it is a science fiction book. And basically, uh, the moral of the story is kind of whether or not the deep state exists oh. in a way. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, for one, <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. That's kind of like a writer's dream in a way like to be able to connect to like you said like basically a, a different version of yourself yeah. and i mean I, I talk about many worlds all the time like that's if, if that's true that's like literally reaching across a parallel universe talk, like that's just another like like even another form of consciousness in a way it's like it's just amazing and like the dynamic that you have like between you and your younger self yeah yeah that's like Something I wish I did. Yeah. I used to write stories a lot too. Where are they? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> mine, <In> the trenches. <laughs> mine. I found one of my. Y'all know those uh, do-it-yourself diary of a wimpy kid books. Yeah. That you can doodle. In? I found yeah. one of those and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man. But it was really cool to like tie in because obviously I consider myself to be a lot smarter now than right. I was in As seventh grade. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I was able to tie in. I didn't realize that I was actually writing about stuff that I recently learned about. So, uh -huh. for example, um, one of the main components of the book is based on Plato's allegory of the cave, right? Okay. So this ancient philosopher pretty much theorized that or thought of a concept in which um, ignorant people, um, that is to say just people who don't have knowledge of something, that's not like a, a mean term or anything, mm -hmm. um, are trapped in this cave. And they see, all they know is what's in the cave, right? Until, and so when they see like shadows of something, they don't know what that truly is. They just see the shadow and assume. Mm -hmm. But what could be possible is that there's someone holding up that shadow. So let's say someone's holding a poster of a bird, right? Oh my. You see that illuminate behind Man, a fire goodness. flame onto a wall. Um, you might think, okay, well, birds must exist. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that birds exist. Hey, it yo, could just be someone holding. Is this? You know what I'm thinking, right? Dude. The cat. 
No, not Schrodinger's cat. It's you, easy. But you, what you did, <laughs> I didn't want to. Cut, sorry to that. cut you off, but yeah. what you did literally was stole the entire introduction to my topic. So I'm like that. Here's what I happened. Sensed it coming. Here's what happened last night. So we had a plan, right? Yeah. I was gonna bring up uh, the holographic universe theory first, uh-huh. and then last night I was listening around the podcast, and I was just going over like my past reads and stuff like that, and like I was like, you know what? And it was already late at night, and I was like, you know, instead of waking up early to do some research on other stuff, I'm going to just stay up until 2 a.m. and research cryptocurrency. So today, (laughs) I was going to bring forth cryptocurrency, and I felt like that was more like, um, time-wise, that was more like relevant right to right now. I mean, you could debate that. I mean, a theory of everything is relevant to the entire span of the universe. But anything, anyway, sorry, um, you brought up, like, you brought up Plato, and that was literally what i read in the book that introduced hologram university hologram universe theory to Mm -hmm. me and it is like our perceptions are faulty we live within there there's a a richer inkling of reality exactly right and it brought up the shadow stuff and i literally reread that whole paragraph last night while i was going crazy over here i couldn't contain myself because i literally heard it from another person yeah and holograph universe theory is based off of Although we live in a four-dimensional universe, um, at least we believe to, to do so, it's objectively or yeah, observationally. Three dimensions of space, yeah, one dimension of time. Exactly. But it's easier to just view the three sp- spatial dimensions. Mm-hmm. Holograph uni- hologram universe theory is that all physical phenomena, phenomena emanates from a two-dimensional substrate, basically. Mm-hmm. And now I can't decide whether we should start off with that or whether we should start off with cryptocurrency. Yeah, well, I'm fine with either. Um, What's your vote, Emery? Let's get to the money. To the money? Hey. Well, right. more on Plato, though. The yeah. reason, like, why that's my favorite concept, uh-huh. that allegory of the cave, is because it kind of made me realize why I love science so much. Okay. Right? So there's only a certain degree to which anything, right, whether it's that there's protons in the nucleus of an atom uh-huh. or whether gravity exists, right? Mm-hmm. You only know everything to a certain degree, right? You never know every um, anything to 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't determine, like, without a doubt, this does exist. This is true. Physically impossible. Heisenberg's uncertainty principle is a direct <laughs> example of that. Exactly. You can only get so close. And everyday scientists, like, the goal is just to be less wrong every day. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that, honestly, I can't contain my excitement. And the more excited I get, the more I stutter. But, like, man... It's just absolutely true, and it's this is one of a, the constants that we see throughout all all of science. The, the issue um, that's basically at the the forefront of theoretical physics now is basically these twenty constants that rule our universe: the cosmological constant dictating dark energy, the expansion of our universe, the speed of light three times ten to the eight meters per second. Oh like, wait, are well, you not, sure about not that? Exactly. No, not, exactly. not even. A- it's possible, right, Tell that us. it's instantaneous, that the speed of light is instantaneous one way and then 300,000 uh, yeah, meters per second I mean, the next way. That, yeah, that's, a, that's another way of looking at it. can't measure the one-way speed of light. I, I agree. I agree. It's just that right now all of the mathematical formulations we see, whether it be special theory of relativity, which put this thing forth, I mean, that's the easier way of thinking like that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, but, like, we have these constants that, that just, like, why are they there, right? So we think of all of these things that could produce um, why these constants are here. 
I brought up in episode 15, 14, like four different multiverse theories. Yeah. And we have another one today. Multiverse mania. And, right. Multiverse mania. And like literally all of these were created and you're like, well, why do we have to create all of these things just to create, like just to like manifest, I guess, just some of these constants, just to find it in the math mm-hmm. of all the muck of this math, like these constants that are like order our universe. And it's just, it's absolutely crazy. And it's connected to the brain as well. I mean, a, one thing I bring up a lot is physicalism. The fact that all we are is just comprised of the electric, <laughs> electric pulses running through our neural circuitry and everything that we see everything that we experience comes from some type of neural projection and the fact that our brains develop biology biologically i I can't say that word ever biologically thank you (laughs) emory had to do that for me uh last episode it's absolutely crazy and i mean we can only see we know our brains are limited we know like we can only see a certain shade of the electromagnetic spectrum things as such so we know there's something underlying this also has to do with the deep state stuff that we talk about later in the show and throughout the expanse of uh, at least the last three episodes so it's this like i don't know it's just got me thinking lately and i don't I, i really just started thinking about this during the podcast but like the whole thing of omission omission of the truth omission of fact allows our brains to run wild and like just create all these theories sometimes based off of math sometimes based off of just like an intrinsic feeling that we feel um Um, jaron what was that thing that you said before the podcast began like like sometimes the truth is oh yeah. yeah sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction yeah so you know relating that to plato's allegory about the cave Mm-hmm. Perhaps, you know, those truths that we people believe to be truths uh-huh. are based on things that we see, based mm-hmm. on things that we might not process right. uh, completely within our minds. Right. Uh, we'll save that for later. I we mean, haven't even gotten into a topic yet. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's, shoot, man, we can stay here and talk about this forever. But like, I mean, we know humans are flawed. I mean, um, one of the recent books I read, I don't read uh, like narrative often. I wish I did more, but. Um, I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and it's already one of my favorite books. And basically the whole part, the whole big idea of the show is that they build this supercomputer and they ask it, what's the key to the universe? Like, why are we here? And basically it spit out 42. <laughs> and they're like, what? We don't even understand this. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's, like, literal things about the universe that language and maybe even mathematics have led us to just, like, there's some disconnect from nature and our understanding of it. <sighs> yeah, man. Um, now I really don't know, but I, I think I think we can save save that topic for later. Just because I mean, cryptocurrency is so current. Wow. <laughs> and we could talk about that first since Emory voted. I think voted. this might. I'm calling it here. Might be our longest episode, dude. Ooh, who knows? <laughs> well, let's get into the money. So, all right, to the money. To the money. It. Um. So to start off with, um, do you guys know anything about cryptocurrency? Yeah. So what are your impressions of it? My impression of cryptocurrency is that it is closer than we think it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, probably by the time we're probably in our 30s, 40s, I think it's going to be probably as popular as, as it is now to just use a debit card. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is because of how secure it is. It's on the blockchain. The only way your information gets stolen is if someone knows your password. Yeah. And the only way you lose your information is if you lose your password. Right. Right. 
which would be detrimental if you had a lot of money stored and mm. yeah, you just forgot your password. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, you keep going. Um, well, another thing about it is though. With that said, I think it has it's gonna have a short lifespan. Okay. Because I think it'll be replaced by quantum computing. Okay. Because quantum is a lot better. It's a it's a much better way of securing information. I, I agree 100. percent And <laughs> I've been saving a quantum computing topic for like a few weeks now. I didn't know when to bring it up, but um, yeah, go ahead. I think. Like Jerron said, it's a lot closer than we've seen because we've already moved away from the using physical forms of currency right. to like already using debit credit cards. Yeah. Now we're doing things like Apple Pay mm-hmm. and now the online transferring of money through like forms of Cash App, Zelle, all those yeah. things. Um, yeah, and this has happened if we look at it like in a span, a span of time in like the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, improvements are drastic so what we've seen with cryptocurrency and specifically bitcoin which oh. is the king of crypto is for like now. for now i so ethereum goes to okay. the moon <laughs> so a lot of people are <laughs> banking on ethereum right now i mean i don't know i just i listened to these two guys uh like yesterday and they're arguing like ethereum and bitcoin i mean mm-hmm. they're basically they're trying to achieve the same thing but they're going through two completely like yeah. different routes um but i mean like what really you can bank on is this blockchain technology yeah and just it, it being decentralized is the best thing because like what we see with with currency in general you use currency just based off its merit back mm-hmm. in the day we used had the barter system and then we like okay i don't want to lug this cow around so let me use something else that i can carry around and then and then it was based on gold and then we were like okay um, this isn't working. Mixon said, let's just make money. It's turned into fiat money, which is just backed by government. And now we have this cryptocurrency, which is starting to be able to, it may store value better. And I mean, like you said before, the, the transfer of this value is way better. And it's through the blockchain technology, which uh, to, I, did I explain it on 15? I don't think so. Okay. Um, Cause how it's set up is basically um, it has a data portion, a hash, it creates a hash, and then it has the previous hash of the owner. So to start with the data, it's like the data of the transaction. So uh, who gave what to who, so maybe a Bitcoin, and then um, who, who it was, who's the receiver, the amount, basically just like the information within the transaction. And then we have this hash, which is basically a string of numbers. It's just an ID. Look at it as a fingerprint, okay? And it creates a new hash, which that's now your ownership of, it's, it's like, it's you on the block. This is the new block. And then it has the previous hash, which was the identification of the previous block. So, I mean, you have a previous, you make a new one, it's a chain. Mm-hmm. and. It's extremely secure. The best thing about it is when you're doing transfers, you just transfer it through the blockchain. You don't have to give away unnecessary information. This is why it has, it, it's, not, it's not beating it right now, but why security-wise, some view it as better than like putting your credit card on, uh, I don't know, American Eagle or whatever. Because like you don't want to put your information out there on the internet, which I mean... There's hackers out there and stuff like that, and that's what people are extremely afraid of. Because if somebody gets a hold of your account, like, you already see, like, when you go search these websites and you, like, say you want to change your credit card number, Mm -hmm. it already lists the last four digits of your number, right? Yeah. So 
all a person really has to do, if that is already exposed, is hack into the database right. to see the rest of your credit card information. But this would like add a whole another level of security because it would be going through the blockchain first. Right. And this, this security is based off of the proof of work system. I bolded it right here because I wanted to make sure I, I got this out. But the proof of work is just, it basically slows down the creation of new blocks. So to create a new block, um, the, the mathematical puzzle needs to be solved. This is done through mining rigs. Um, so because there's a whole system and I do not claim to be an expert on this. Like I have just based off of me staying up till two last night, gaining just like basically a baseline knowledge. But you have people who mine for uh, Bitcoin and stuff like that is basically because only 21 million Bitcoin are going to be created exactly. ever. And this and we think that we're going to reach this point by 2140. Mm -hmm. um, so to at the beginning, you could mine this Bitcoin basically gain like the untapped bitcoin through um just like a personal computer this is at yeah. the very beginning now you need dang near a supercomputer uh -huh. not exactly but like only well, the people no, you yeah you, i mean you really need a yeah right so you have people like heads of companies and stuff like that that have this technology and um they're uh -huh. mining for this bitcoin and they're solving these complex mathematical problems and yep. it takes 10 minutes uh or some i guess is it exactly or about 10 minutes i wasn't exactly sure but to create a new um bitcoin and it's all set up on a peer-to-peer -peer network so this whole network is there's no center if you uh -huh. want to take out bitcoin you can't just be like oh here's the head of bitcoin uh, Bitcoin's done. Yeah. No, Bitcoin is spread across. There's a million miners and just all the people who have a connection to this Bitcoin. Do you so, guys know if government entities can um, ha hold a large ownership of Bitcoin? Yes. So yeah. some people say that the U.S. government's like the second largest owner of Bitcoin. I don't know about that. That was just somebody talking on a podcast. But... I mean, I guess I we're mean, just somebody stuck in a podcast, no. but I would believe it, yeah, because yeah. they don't want to lose control. You exactly. see this. Well, here's the thing. They, yeah. they would have the money, right? Right. But they're not in control of it. Yeah. Okay, so they yeah. can't decide, let's print more Bitcoin. Right. No, and that's why equally as important, um, well, in regards to Bitcoin, right, just how people value it for its safety, they equally value, value it for its protection against inflation. Mm -hmm. And oh, it's decentralization, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not tied to a government. Um, it's privatized in a way yeah. with the public, right? Yeah. And not only that, since there's a finite amount that's going to be made, you're backed against inflation. Yeah. So, and the fact that you can uh, exchange Bitcoin for U.S. dollars, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's literally like having a savings account that makes money for you at double the rate that inflation is currently at. Yeah. And yeah, Bitcoin kind of like moves like the stock market, how it goes up and down, mm, but yeah. its trajectory has just been like, if you look at it from like a five year span, yeah. it's been an exponential curve up. Right. So right. Who and knows? that's Maybe. what yeah. it's, it's the, the ever changing nature of it. That's what scares people. Um, I mean, I mean, I guess fiat currency that changes too not as much as in the u.s but like other countries i mean you see venezuela with hyperinflation stuff like that you see other currencies change but this is like this is new to people so people are automatically scared but yeah. you see this as like also like just a better storage of what value you have because like a lot of people have been taking their money out of banks putting it into bitcoin because like the bank is going to devalue it by like around like two percent 
every like is it year or is like some t- like some yeah, over- like at the end of the day you lose money if you put your money in the bank right it, the over some time interval is it's losing value over time and yeah. i mean like you just said before this is it's protected in, in this in this uh bitcoin system man what were you about to say though I said the probability of you losing value in your money right. is going down ex- exponentially yeah. if you do invest in Bitcoin. In yeah. So, Jerron, when are you turning 18? Turn 18 in September. September. It's probably obvious, but do you plan on investing? Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. I already, I mean, I opened my, my Coinbase account yesterday. Um, and, yeah, you were talking about uh, just make sure you don't lose your password. Yeah. They let <laughs> me know like three times, yo. Don't lose this yeah. password. Do <laughs> not lose this. Bro, like password, bro. Yeah. There are um, people uh, who have like invested like really early on, right? Yeah. Bitcoin was nothing. Yeah. Forgot their password because they thought it was a joke. Right. Now look at them now. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of news stories if you the just look them is, up. I've, I remember I've been hearing about Bitcoin for like five years because I I'm always watch videos on this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And if I was 18, bro. bro but everybody's exactly. angry at themselves for not putting money in and how. I had no but I'm ability very to. Like, at the, exactly, because of our age, right? Yeah. So at the time, I, I honestly believe, like, if I was 18 at the time, I would have invested. And I'm right. a gambler, bro. I yeah. take risks. Yeah. I like taking risks. Yeah. I don't blame you. Uh, children at home, please only take risks with money that you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Money that you're willing to lose. Right. Right? Um, wait, what was I about to say before? Um, dang. My, I just got a brain wipe. It's a deep state. Beep, beep. <laughs> yeah, they don't want us to. They don't want us to know. The little MIB. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, I mean, just this is absolutely crazy, and I mean, the real thing I want to promote here is awareness of the digital world we're about to reach. I talk about basically with computational consciousness and virtual immersion. I talk about our existence between a digital substrate and the bio bio woo bio biological one that Gold. we exist on now at least we believe so um for it to be biological but we're going to end up merging with the digitized world in some way mm-hmm. people are afraid of ai some people say no i don't want any of it i say hey let's get married because it's time to merge with this technology. Part of this is how we transfer value. And this is just, for one, just on the outside looking in, it's just a lot more tech, uh, tech, like technologically sound than like uh, the money system we have now. And once, and the blockchain allows for there to be transparency. This is the big thing that we see with NFTs that I talked about two episodes ago is that, you can see the, the whole train of transactions. There's no secrets. And whenever you see an error, the code can now be the law. The code can act like, oh, this is an unlawful transaction. Nope, no transaction. So you see a lot, like just a lot more techie way of transferring value. And like now um, in the future, we have Lyfts and Uber and stuff like that. Uh, we'll have an SAV, which is a shared autonomous vehicle network. And you'll go on your phone. You need to go into work uh, if we're even going to into work at that point. And um, in like about two seconds, a car pulls up. You hop in. There's no driver. You pay it. It already takes the money from whatever. Maybe it's based off of Bitcoin. A lot of people believe that Bitcoin will be the number one currency or the main currency. Um, but like then it's just like it's a quick transfer. And it's just yeah. like. 
things happen like that. And like, it's just the trend over time that we see. We see things happening faster, and we also see leisure start to outdo work. Yeah. As over time, work is coming down. AI may displace millions of jobs, but leisure is going up as well. Yeah. So it's just a lot of trends that are going on yeah. here. It's crazy. Yeah, another trend that you also see is stuff getting smaller. So right. Um, kind of in the world of finance as well, but not internet finance, sure. right? So I forget which country it is, but it's in Europe. Have already started to experiment with a society that uses like condensed credit cards. So imagine okay. you had like Ooh, I heard about this. I forgot a chip, right? Yeah. And this chip has your your ID, so your driver's license, your state ID, oh. your credit card and your debit card, right? Right. All that. And maybe your insurance as well. If you lose that, you're done. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You won't lose it. Why? Right. Because it's in your body. It's you. Oh. You it's put you. it in your hand, right? Right. Wow. Apparently, it doesn't hurt to get it inserted. And literally, you just scan anywhere. Yeah. You just scan it everywhere. Taxi fares, grocery store. That's amazing. Um, and I can't wait. And it can work. It works with facial recognition as well. Okay. Right. So, scan if like at a cashier, let's say they just scan your face, right? You just paid for your groceries that day. That's awesome. Is it? That's kind of scary. I, I I believe it's awesome just because like that's that's kind of that's kind of how I view the future our future anyway. Um, now we always hear the craziest sounds. Um, our attachment to money, I always saw it as like it's it's necessary in in some ways just because we're animals and stuff. But I also believed like. I also said before, like if a super or a super intelligent alien species came down and saw the way we function off of money now, they'd be like, "Oh, yeah, this is stupid. No intelligence found here. Let's take all your water, and Earth is done as we know it." But um, for the transfer of value in the future, like the oh my gosh, um, the it's tr- instantaneous, not instantaneous, but it's quick with quick velocity transferal. We'll see. It'll be amazing, and economies are based off of the the velocity of money. The more yeah. money is circulating, the better the economy is. I just think, I mean, it, it's uh, it's honestly fun to think about, and I mean, it's something that's going to be cool to see. Yeah, one thing you said was like the. Well, I have two things. All right, let me rewind. Yeah, uh, I have a scenario for you guys. Okay. All right. What are those tokens called? Colonial tokens. Computerized, digitized tokens. Oh, non-fungible tokens. Non-fungible NFTs. tokens. NFTs. <laughs> I, I talked about it two episodes ago. Yeah, I forgot the. I forgot the. Okay. If you want to test someone, you got to say the whole name. Non-fungible tokens. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Wait. So what, you, what was the first thing you said? I said colonialized. colonialized. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you talking about like the commercials? I was just talking. <laughs> I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about. Uh, but uh, uh, these non-fungible tokens, right? Yeah. Um. Say you own something online. However, that works. And. Your identity gets stolen. Mm-hmm. So this thief, you, sells off whatever you own to somebody else. Yeah. And then you regain your identity and, like, you file a suit that yeah. says, like, no, uh, I, that wasn't me who right. sold it. But, like, it's already been transferred and the person who bought it wasn't aware that it wasn't you. Right. So how, how far does ownership go? So here's the thing. What are the, the lengths of that? You cannot necessarily steal the identity because it's based off the peer-to-peer network. And you need 51 or just uh, marginally more than 50% control of the entire network to be able to, to hack into it. Mm-hmm. So, like, because 
the way you would do it and the way I saw it in this video, people were talking about hacking uh, the blockchain and stuff. Basically, you would change the hash and if you change the hash on one, it would mess up the entire chain oh, because okay. it yeah. depends on the previous hash, things like that. But the only way you can change things, the only way you can change blocks, it's all through this proof of work system, the That's 10 minutes and stuff like that. everything's always recorded and kept in the system. Every, yeah, everything's always recorded and it's the peer-to-peer -peer network. So I'm not exactly sure how it is because my surface knowledge, I just saw that it was the peer-to-peer -peer network, but I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of like verification in place where like, like everybody else in that would be like, yo, this is not right. <laughs> yeah. And maybe the code does that for us too. Yeah. But I mean, if they got your password to like Coinbase or whatever, yeah. and they sell off everything you have, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And yeah. no government's going to intervene because that's just how the, that monetary system works. Right. So. And you were mm -hmm. talking about those chips being inserted into you. Yeah. I'd, ra I'd rather, this is my personal preference, mm -hmm. have some like optical. Like, you know, like project maybe like uh, some sort of, uh, um, what's the word? Hologram mm -hmm. that like they can scam, scan. And like um, that just holds all your data within your eyes. Oh, like, so you want to hear? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I know that's like, like, that's really like the augmented reality thing we were talking about yeah. in 16. And that can either be done through personally. I am more attached to brain computer interfaces, but I mean right now we see that through the uh like the google glass and like uh like i don't know the exact term for it but it's just like the the computer glasses yeah. uh edith um from iron for spider-man like contact lens not like okay. glasses yeah contacts like too um yeah so you can do that um there's there's you can still lose a contact lens yeah right right that's yeah that's the thing like is the securing cut it off yeah or maybe they just uh alter your eyes plus the certain amount of information you can only uh we're going to talk about this later but you can only there's only a certain amount of information contained within a certain space so a contact is going to be extremely small this that may be enough information to hold it all that you have i assume it would be it would but, be possible but, but yeah because like i said why like, there's a trend that things get smaller yeah, right yeah and i mean i know you've talked about moore's law on the show before right? yeah so basically moore's law you can fit more transistors into a smaller confined unit as mm -hmm. time increases, Word. right? So every two years, that amount that you can, the amount of transistors you can fit within that little uh, unit, right? Yeah, is doubled. Mm -hmm. So you said, uh, <laughs> yeah, eighteen months, I believe. Yeah, yeah. around eighteen months. Yeah, but we um, see it slowing down. Yeah, some people say it's slowing down, but I some eh. people it's slowing down, but other people have like different ideas of it. But yeah, keep going. So yeah, it's still basically the same. Right? Yeah, so. Eventually, technically, according to that law, right, it would be possible to have something so infinitely small that it could be anywhere. Like, it could right. be on your eye, right? right? So, And you could have multiple on your eye, and right. then maybe they coordinate, like, different parts of the eye coordinate with different things. Right. Um, depending and on how the contact is set up. And then on top of that, what I see the future being is uh, you can combine. It would start combining with the medical world, right? So okay. let's say you wear glasses, right? Bone-anchored implants already exist for hearing aids so and they're they're like right here mm -hmm. right that's where they are and they're literally anchored to your brain or well, to your skull just on top of your brain obviously and so let's say you wear glasses like i am right now right, right. and i have the little stem of this part of the glasses yeah connected to that little anchoring mm -hmm. instead of a hearing aid right mm -hmm. maybe the right? transfer of the information towards whatever exactly you're using. whatever i'm seeing Right through these glasses, 
maybe that gets processed faster mm-hmm. um, because it's tapped in directly to my brain instead of having to travel. Because right now, right, our eyes, information takes kind of a while to process mm-hmm. because it goes all the way to the back of your brain, right? That's where the occipital lobe is located. Um, so your eyes are right here, right under your frontal lobe. And so if information has to go from the front of your face to the back of your head, that's too long. Right. Right. But if you already had it to wear your glasses through, who knows, maybe like five wire or something, mm-hmm. right? And just information is just able to instantly come straight from what you're seeing to the, that bone anchored implant. And it's just immediately like osmosis. Yeah. So yeah, that's like head. a trans, that's like a, an extension yeah. of your I body mean, instead of like a, exactly like your corporation. We yeah. also, we also, I mean, there we have there's competing technologies right now and that's more of like i mean it's still here but also the technology is like a little bit of a, a translation of like the locus of where you're getting your information from so like i mean you were already talking about a brain computer interface so before i get to the other stuff i was going to ask you about like i mean do you have any other things you want to say on it like um Neuralink is definitely promising. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I saw, uh, I think there was like a press release yeah. like a, a month ago, two months ago mm-hmm. uh, with the pigs. Yep. You know, I must be out with the pigs on stage. Actual, it was actually like a, like a presentation. Like yeah. they had the whole like show. Yeah. 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 What happened with the pigs? So basically the, they experiment on the pigs, um, put the Neuralink in them mm-hmm. and they were fully functioning. Nothing was yeah. like obviously wrong with them not physically yeah. not emotionally they were able to not to cut you off but they were able to like um i see my extent of neuroscience knowledge is like the actual like the inside things going on i plan on doing research on that um and that was what i was doing over the break but like um the response that they were getting back were the beeps i assume it's some type yeah. of electrical pulse yeah and they were actually they were able to track the whole thing mm-hmm. and one of the three pillars to computational consciousness was scannability and that is part of scannability to actually have an insight through the computer of what is actually going on inside the brain so they were able to see like um they put like food beside it or i mean pigs like mud or something they they there was something that the pig had some sort of affinity to and the neuralink gave a response and it was like like it was super fast yeah and so was like the purpose of that to like prove the ethicality to use for human testing later that and to prove scannability like we we know what's going on up in here <laughs> mm-hmm. like um yeah so yeah and another yeah. interesting thing about the scanning right yeah. so black and white scan um every like little beep um not all beeps were the same some were loud some were short right, right. to uh coincide with more pronounced Morse code. Impulses, I guess. Right. It kind of sounds like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So more pronounced impulses versus kind of less important ones, right? Mm-hmm. But still impulses nonetheless. Yeah. And so, yeah, as Caleb was mentioning, yeah, they were eating, but also um, I think I noticed when Elon Musk reached down with his mic, mm-hmm. right, um, to one of the pigs and it nudged its nose on it, right? Yeah. That was also an impulse just oh, through touch, yeah, right? And that. your yep. brain recognizes exactly. that. So, I mean, it's definitely promising. One of the things that I'm stand backish kind of, yeah kind of stand backish on is the fact that he wants for the procedure to be completely done by ai and uh robots yeah so that is not it's not because 
I'm partial to my job in the future. <laughs> I want to keep it. And I'm like, hey, stop. Yeah. But just because I don't think the public would get on board with that because yeah, a robot doesn't have a sense of death, right? If you don't have a sense of something, you don't care about it. For now. So yeah. even if I think in the future, it would, it would just never be able to grasp death because they sure. can't die. Mm-hmm. But right? that would have to be coming in like with giving it its own consciousness, right? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. And also, um, I just think... Um, I'm heavily attached to AI, and it's the, the basically, they're able to repeat the same function over and over and over. I mean, you can't do anything with 100% certainty. You open the show with that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just like, it's constant. It's constant, and it's able to do that. But at the same time, when you're trying to market this thing, I mean, a human doctor, like, that's what probably a lot of people would want. But, I mean... And I don't assume that, like, the greatest doctors out there, I mean, there's always the chance that the finger slips, but I doubt they'll even do that. But it's just, like, you're also attaching such a a thin electrode that, I mean, it's super tough. The procedure is tough anyway. But, I mean, I see this as, one, a way of extending ourselves past our biological constraints. That word continues to haunt me. But also another way of uh, keeping up in this marriage to AI because right now we see artificial intelligence as, or even computer systems in general, narrowly supreme to us. Why do we rely on calculators? That's like the baseline. I mean, they're narrowly supreme to us in certain ways. We see GPT-3 with this web crawler system able to scale the entire internet. Now it has all of this information behind it and it can, it's the best natural language processor out here. And I mean, I think episode, whatever episode that was that I read you that paragraph that was written by GPT-3, and you were like, wait, I thought this was written by a human. Oh, like, yeah. That the, was an old episode. Right. The things that they could, uh, that we have gotten to are absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. But so part of this is adding this extra layer to our um, neural functions, I guess, that it would be neuraling. And I, I just think that's, I mean... As animals, yeah, we, want to sur- we want to survive. So I think that's one way we keep up with it. So Neuralink is a way we're able to keep our physical bodies. Yeah. But I also talk about this, this dual system. And that comes with virtual immersion. And The Matrix is one of the most, like, I, I call it inspiring movies to me. I rewatched it um, this during spring break we're on now um, just for research purposes because, like, it just amazes me. Yeah, the but uh, right. And along with virtual immersion, I mean, it may be, it can serve as a video game. It can serve as like another side of life. It can be whatever humanity <laughs> decides it to be, but it depends on computational consciousness, which depends on the three pillars. These pillars, I'll explain again, physicalism, the fact that we all exist from a neural projection. We're all up here, scannability. We can see everything and computability. We can all put this down in zeros and ones. So, my question to you is, what do you think of our ability to transfer all of our consciousness, all that we are, onto a digital, digital substrate? So may this be virtual immersion? May this allow us to uptake uh, uh, Android bodies? Or using laser, laser pointing, shooting ourselves at the speed of light across the cosmos? Okay, so I think there's... It's loaded question, sorry. It is a loaded question, yeah. but I'll just all parts to yeah. it. So uh, I think there's two parts... Right? Yeah. Or two arguments that you could have. Yeah. So I know a lot of people believe, especially religious people, right, that the soul can't be replicated. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, 
AI can kind of replicate human thinking, mm-hmm. but just because you can think, that doesn't mean you have a soul. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, I think you could upload yourself, and you could upload. I think it will get to a point to where, um, an AI replicates you so well yeah. that you wouldn't be able to tell a difference. Right. But that soul aspect just wouldn't be there, and so, it's kind of like an indescribable. Right. And thing. I, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but there's an extended locus of your identity, mm-hmm. and. It being elsewhere, it knocks down the first pillar because mm-hmm. the first pillar is physicalism, mm-hmm. and that's what most physicists believe in. They're not as they don't they're not as attached spiritually as many other people. Mm-hmm. And physicalism is okay. Everything that we experience, all that we are right now, comes from up here. That's why, if that point is true and we're able to upload, that's why I contend that. I wouldn't call that a fake world and that a real world. And I mean, this a real world, because if all we're receiving is through functions through our neurocircuitry, then it's as if this, these things are sort of the same. They're extremely close to the same thing. So yeah, what you talked about just now, pillar one is if, if there is an extended locus of our identity, then pillar one's out the door. And I don't even think mind uploads would work because then it wouldn't it wouldn't be an upload it may just be a copy and it'll exist as like a robot version of you and maybe that's cool i mean we're in the year 2100 riding down the city with our hoverboards with our companion that's us without a soul or something like that but it it definitely is cool like imagine if stuff like this existed during einstein's time right Right. imagine if you go back and or right now talk to einstein right (laughs) that'd be cool right right but he yeah. might call me crazy though, <laughs> for the stuff that we're doing now. I mean, like, oh, he he wouldn't like you. You yeah. like quantum too much. It, it, <laughs> and computer learning, computer learning is so much different from actual learning. Right. Yeah. So it See, would be hard. It like a simulation, like of an AI yeah. is just that a simulation. Okay. It can't. It only has the ability to project what you might feel. Okay. But like your individual experiences, even if I had to get like a mind upload, all of your memories and all right. of that. There's only like a simulation of what you could be expected to do. Yeah. Ah, may I contend once more? Jaron brought okay. up early in the show. What? Oh. I, I was gonna say oh. quantum simulations, uh-huh. quantum computing. Yeah. If you're, and this is all about scannability, computability, the three pillars. These are huge. If quantum computing, uncertainty principle is a tough thing to get around. But if it's able to basically map particle by particle everything that's going on then it would be as if it is the same. Maybe they would function different. We'd have to pack a lot of the laws of physics into, um, sorry, into the simulation. And maybe if we have the power to change up the laws in within the simulation, we'd be able to do a lot of cool things. Yeah, but like Jaron said, like you can't replicate the soul and all. So like, well, yeah, that's yeah, that's the little argument. tidbits yeah. of like how you're in, like well, that's you can't us. replicate your emotions. Yeah, that's like, us. Not yeah. necessarily. Yeah, well, then mm-hmm. that's first pillar gone. Yeah. First pillar. Yeah. Um, okay, but I think so. You brought the three pillars, yeah. right? Obviously, the hardest one is the third pillar. Uh huh. Partly because of just where we're at technologically, mm-hmm. it would take so much space to even upload a microorganism. Right. Right. Don't want to cut you off. The mouse brain. Um, they did a cubic centimeter of mouse brain. It was like two petabytes. Or, it was something crazy. Something crazy. Yeah. But yeah. Keep going. So here's where quantum computing comes into play. Mm-hmm. Right. O's and ones are conventional system that we have now. Mm-hmm. That has to go out the window. Um, it takes too much storage to process something like that, right? Quantum computing uses something called qubits, right? 
And I love this man. <laughs> and so yes, yes, yeah. The theory is right. Qubits, if you can just double the amount of, the, the amount of possibilities and the amount of space that you have, yeah. simply by just adding one more thing. Right. Right. So that's called like the two to the n law. Right. Mm-hmm. So two to n, which is the amount of qubits you have. Yeah. That's how much storage you'll have. Um. So. Basically, it's kind of hard right now, though, because you can only really, right now, work with two to three qubits yeah. and have it be understandable and, and within your control. And at freaking near absolute zero temperature. Exactly. Like it, it, and it, the, yeah. it takes so much energy. Yeah, so, super tough, super tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uploading yourself, it definitely it would have to be with a quantum computer. I agree 100%. Um, and I think, you know, okay. Just, see, this is why I love this show. Yeah, there's yeah. so many ways that you can attack this issue. So right. um, in quantum computing, there's superposition and there's entanglement, right? If you wanted to fit... Yes. <laughs> if yes. you want, I think if you wanted Preach. to fit multiple people onto... like, This is what efficiency is, right? Mm-hmm. You have a lot in a very small space, mm-hmm. right? So if you wanted to fit multiple people into one quantum computer... I think you would have to use entanglement. Yeah. And I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like, would those, I think the the question needs to be asked is like, would those two consciousness or kind of like, oh my gosh. I guess, would those two end up colliding with each other? Would they end up affecting one another and Which kind of two? turning... Um, like let's say we have two people, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're uploaded, and we're able to somehow to get them uploaded into a quantum computer, right? A replica of their consciousness, mm-hmm. but obviously not themselves or their soul. Um, oh, okay. Would so they start affecting each other because that's right. what entanglement is, right? If right, you me- right. once you measure one, you autom- automatically affect the other. Unless you ask Einstein, <laughs> or no, no, it wasn't Einstein. Who who hated entanglement? I forgot the physicist that there was one physicist that like absolutely despised entanglement, but um, probably Einstein. I don't know. He hated a lot of. Quantum. He hated everything about quantum. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's I, I never thought of it in the terms of entanglement. But now that you bring it up, yes. I mean, what happens to one, we believe must affect the other. Yeah. So, but only what we know right now. Only if you check it. Right. Only oh, yeah, once only you if measure. You, only if you, but the, here's right. the problem. It depends on the solution of the measurement problem of quantum mechanics mm-hmm. because measuring. I'm not so exactly sure because that what you're saying right there is mostly based off the Copen, Copenhagen interpretation, which was what I brought forth in episode 10, which was that, okay, you have the super, superstition, superposition, and I'm looking this way. Oh, I look at it. Soon as I instantly observe it, the wave function collapse. Mm-hmm. Well, why must my observation dictate the universe? A lot of physicists do not like this idea. Also, who is, who is observing? If a gecko over there observes the wave function, is it now collapsed? Or do we all live within one subjective reality? I wrote a paper on this, or an essay about this too, that if Copenhagen interpretation can work, but we all have to exist on different subjective realities and all see different things, and that would sort of like detach us with, I mean, we all have connections here. We all agree that we're sitting in front of a camera yeah. right now. But if we all have some a different subjective universe, I feel like that's the only way the Copenhagen interpretation can really work. So, and, th- and that's, that's just where we're talking about the uh, observation. So, I mean, 
other solutions are uh, cubism and the many worlds interpret many worlds interpretation that I talked about and maybe it's something that we haven't even thought of which is part of the reason why if I go into quantum it'd be directly to solve the measurement problem because like we have to understand what's going on here maybe it's because of whatever type of universe we're living in I mean maybe it's because <laughs> It doesn't want, like, I mean, this is, like, not the exact scientific way of putting it, but maybe it doesn't want us to know. Maybe some, maybe it's something there that we, we shouldn't know, like the fact that the speed of light is a limit in which you can move through space-time. I mean, I know we're trying to do warp drives where space-time itself can move, but, like, we have cer these certain limits. Uh, the quantum computing thing I was going to bring up before was scientists at the uh, University of uh, somewhere outside of America basically uh born something found a quantum speed limit the speed in which you can actually do quantum operations there are all these limits that are placed on us one of those is the measurement problem so maybe this virtual immersion if it's based off the measurement problem and it has to in some way because we believe this to be fundamental to our universe if we can't figure that out that out maybe we can't simulate a universe i mean to create another universe, you got to create everything that's going on now. And nature doesn't care about a measurement problem, about an equation. Nature is just nature. It's us that has the problem. Uh, in a way, I think nature kind of finds a way, right? It's kind of weird, right, in mm -hmm. this world that we live in. The only reason this world is, as we know, is because of constants that exist, right? Yeah. Constants are these very specific numbers. For example, we have Planck's constant. We have gravitational constant on Earth. I brought up the 20 at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Why is it such an exact pi even? Yeah. Why is it such an exact number, right? right? In the case of pi, so exact that we don't even know what the last digit is. Right. So I think nature just finds a way to create constants or at least live by the rules of constants. Mm -hmm. And that's just what we're given. And we can only, science is just the observation of the natural world. And right. All we can is do is just observe science it. to the soul. Uh, I, I think it's probably some pseudoscience. Yeah, I would doubt it because you you can't necessarily base it off of like what science loves to base. I mean, off of I know there's this thing in the medical community that's kind of new. It's called uh, quantum healing, mm. and people are considering it a, a pseudoscience. Yeah, um, people are just gonna put quantum but, in front of everything. Though? Well, yeah, <laughs> honestly, but I mean, I mean, it kind of has promise. But again, yeah. so do uh, all pseudoscience, right. right? And like you yeah. were talking about earlier. How you don't think those two um, consciousness just by themselves, how they would f uh, function with each other? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, like the body is a system. The mind is a system. They all work together. Yeah. Maybe the soul is like the linking component component that would like mm. actually allow the, for those to actually affect each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Ooh. And I don't even think qubits are the smallest thing. I, it definitely goes smaller than qubits. Right. So. And um, holographic universe theory says that's information but and gosh man i i mean uh, i i kind of have to explain the topic first um but i'll just uh open up with it the holographic universe theory is basically functions through boundary physics and bulk physics so on the boundary it's a quantum a non-gravitational quantum field theory and from that in the bulk, which is what we're living in, is what we see is the bulk emanates string theory. String theory has gravitation baked within it. So entanglement 
I wonder if that is boundary or bulk. Here's what I think. I think to to find or to kind of solve like this problem around entanglement, measure, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, how do we measure it? Yeah. Without measuring it, yeah. you know, because when we, once we measure it, obviously it changes, right? right? So, I think to solve that problem of entanglement, a lot of problems in science are solved by solving other problems. Right? Yeah. So I think you would have to prove string theory, and then yeah. by proving string theory, I think you would have to prove that there's ten dimensions because string theory exists if you prove that there are ten dimensions. Well, well eleven. Yeah, ten dimensions 11. of oh, space, like space and then one dimension one of, time, of time, right? And uh, I am lost. Sorry, but I feel <laughs> like I feel like I'm two people right now because everything that I'm about to say, Jerron just says it because literally, yes, there's in string theory. Maybe we're clones, right? String theory, it's 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 starting to show like it's like kind of like a the father of like our new theories of everything. It's like. Whether string theory is true or not, we know the math is great. The math that we've gotten out of string theory has helped so many different attempts at creating a theory of everything. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. There, there's just and lots of different ways you can think about it. Like, ten dimensions sounds like a lot to us, right? Like, we currently exist in, well, four if you not, count. Not to me, but. Exactly, but, right. Yeah. But, well, to the average person, right? Right. But. What if some dimensions were just bridges between others, right? Mm-hmm. And that counts, right? So that kind of cuts the total of 10, well, 11 that you need to get yeah. to um, in half. Right. So it's, it's really not the hard. We only have to strive really hard to find two extras. Yeah. And then the rest are just bridges between those. Yeah. And those, and those bridges. And some people interpret those bridges as time travel. So oh, oh, yeah. That that could be. Um, yeah, I, didn't, I never even thought about it. Because, like, think about it. Like, yeah. you have a two-dimensional plane. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you fold it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Now you exist in 3D. Yeah. And it seems like you disappeared. Yeah. But you just went behind the plane. Right. You got folded. I mean, that's, you got folded. That's right? the whole. So. That's the whole thought behind wormholes. It's was you the the kind of like folding space time and you cut through the middle. Yeah. I wish I so one day I need to just bring a piece of paper and stick a pencil right through it because that's exactly what the wormhole How is. How many but dimensions can we uh actually model? Model on a uh, well, it depends. I mean, my hand we. we some people say two, some people say three on a computer, two, I mean... Do you mean then, model as in, like, yeah. physically prove or... Yeah, physically prove. Uh, okay. Four. Yeah, four. Beca- um, because... Because... Dimension and time. Yeah. That's it. Um, but one thing I was going to uh, get to before is, yeah, and uh, this isn't a string theory episode, because those connections between um, that you talked about that cuts it in half, we see we a lot of people theorize that... It's the string is actually a connection between a brain world. Um, I don't even want to get into that. Um, so that that's ex- that's way too technical. And for one, it is going to be extremely hard for me to timestamp this episode. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely love it. Like the fact that I mean, just knowing that somebody else thinks about this stuff, oh, I mean, it makes time. me feel great inside. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what should we go on to holographic universe theory? Or should I mean, we kind of let's just. <gasps> Let's just go oh, on wait, to it. I actually want to talk about one more thing about quantum computing. Okay, go ahead. So, I found out pretty recently that it's a lot more open than I think the average person would think it is, mm-hmm. right? It seems like it's so distant in the future. Right. Um, but IBM is moving crazy. Oh, so, yeah. 
if you like do your history on technological revolutions, mm-hmm. pretty much every single one started with IBM, right? <laughs> right? Either IBM or Texas Instruments. Come on, Watson. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I remember being a little kid watching that Jeopardy episode. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> um, but yeah, so with IBM, what they're currently doing is they have this thing called the IBM Quantum Composer. It's You're like you could go online right now and literally mess around with a quantum computer at one of their stations and like there's a whole tutorial and everything and then once you feel like confident enough with that tutorial you can make an account and you sign on to the quantum computer and you what they're looking for is obviously the strength in numbers right and two minds is better than one Mm -hmm. three minds is better than two and so on so they just put it out into the cloud through the internet and are asking for people to just try to create programs yeah like you would for a normal computer right? right you have a program that maybe makes a video game or yeah. is able to process numbers really fast um, or can find the prime numbers of mm. certain numbers which is actually fundamentally interestingly enough how encryption is done most encryption. yes oh god so. where have you been for 19 episodes I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on like yes exactly yeah. like I, for one I couldn't have said it any better you brought up like that's that's it right and like this this outsourcing or crowdsourcing however you want to put it that's like that's so strong we saw this at the advent of artificial intelligence anyway trying to create um uh systems that can pass the turing test the turing test basically for those that don't know it's like basically you to put it in language terms you don't know that you're talking to a uh, ai or you're talking to a human Mm -hmm. so uh, what was her name? Uh, put out by some company. Um, may, it's not IBM, but it's somebody blue. Maybe IBM. I don't know. But it's like uh, her name was Ellie Evie or something oh, like that. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And um, and they're experimenting with the physical aspects of right, the Turing right, test. Like right. So they they need they, to improve the skin though. They got people on the internet to basically talk to it. I think somebody even fell in love with the thing. But and that's back when it was just giving out systematic responses. Like if you say this keyword, I'm gonna say that type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, yeah, man. But just what we're about to see in this digital world is absolutely no, insane. I'm, I'm very excited. I think yeah, our time is probably gonna be the best. Right. I mean, I, th- I think I said this maybe episode one, two, or three, but or in an essay or something, but we're in the golden age, yeah. baby. The only we're thing, in the golden age. The only age. thing I can compare it to is kind yeah. of like the internet revolution and then uh-huh. eventually like the dot-com boom. Okay, yeah. So back in like the late 90s. Yeah. So that's all I can really compare. It's like it's going to be that level of hop on the on the train now. Right. So. And I mean, sorry to cut you off, Emery, but like, yeah, I, I hope to hop on this train in like two different ways. Yeah. Like amassing a large amount of knowledge, being at the forefront of research, that's like one of the coolest experiences you can have in the world. Mm-hmm. And also, me as an inspiring or aspiring entrepreneur with crypto, the reason why I stayed up so late last night, maybe I can pick up some change and some seed money to mm-hmm. get this business uh, kick-started. So we, we see a lot of new things. But Emory, mm-hmm. you want to say something? I thought... No, I just have nothing to say. <laughs> well, because look at you guys bouncing around. Right. This is people that science is their forte. Yeah, that's not my strong suit. So I feel you. Well, I mean, I think. Well, your forte is what politics, right? Politics, philosophy. Philosophy. This dude is a philosopher, man. See, I think you can't separate science and philosophy. I agree. And same with politics as well. But more so science and philosophy, right? The greatest philosophers that we know today were also scientists. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, and that's not a coincidence in my opinion. Galileo. Yeah. Um, to all those watching, I do encourage you to go find that IBM uh, composer, Quantum Composer. Have you worked with it yet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is so confusing. Yeah. And I'm interestingly gonna... enough, right, you won't believe what I saw. Like, what, what was an aspect of it? Sure. The um, the unit circle. <laughs> really? Yes. The unit circle is involved. <laughs> what? It literally it, it blew my mind. I was like, still, I got to deal with this unit oh circle. Oh, I yeah. know it's, about the unit circle. Yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy, like. That's some BS. That's, that's the best part. <laughs> that's the best part of not only me just loving theoretical physics because searching for just like seeing how nature works, but it's also got me to think every problem that I see, I go down to the fundamental. That's really what yeah, physics yeah. has taught me to do is look at the underring fundamental like order that, well, fundamentally like propagation point that orders phenomena. Yeah. Like, and because... What, well, not to cut you off. Yeah, go yeah ahead. Um, no, it's okay because like, we see all these complicated concepts, and you bring up something like the unit circle. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see have all this complicated math, and it's based off of arithmetic and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, man, yeah. getting down to the fundamentals, bro. Exactly. And I mean, that's what Elon Musk lives by. Right? Yeah, yeah. First base principle. Mm -hmm. So, the commercialized future of quantum computing, right? Yeah. I was watching uh, this video on YouTube, and um, it was one of those where someone in a highly specialized field explains their job mm -hmm. to an increasingly intelligent Oh, you're talking person. about the, what, wired yeah, does the, wired, the wired, levels, wired. five yeah. levels. Five yeah, levels, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when it got to, I think it was like... It was the quantum computing lady? That's yeah, the, the quantum computing lady. Yeah, right, I know what you're right? talking about. She's yep. awesome. Yeah, she's So, great. I think it was someone in school. I, I think it was a high schooler, right? Right. And her main concern was, can you help me do my homework? <laughs> and I thought about it, I was like, hold on. Right in the days of Bill Gates, right mm -hmm. there was computers were like the size of a two hundred by two hundred square foot room. Right? Yeah, and it's Sonics, bro. Exactly, and it took so long; it didn't seem like it would go anywhere mm -hmm. until eventually we have it compressed into something handheld. Yeah, technology becomes smaller. Yeah, exactly. Right, that's the trend that we're seeing. More. And so, <laughs> 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 and. So make a Moore's Law song. Yeah, so I, I do think, right? The quantum computer that we see now, Shut if you up. look it up, it yeah, uh, it's it's gigantic, right? Mm -hmm. And it looks like a, a massive chandelier that you just, you'd see at the French chateau. Yeah, it did look like I didn't even think of a chandelier. That's exactly what I was looking for. I was like, what is this thing? Yeah, yeah, and. I think it's only inevitable that it's going to get smaller, mm -hmm. like in the size of a laptop, and then eventually something handheld. Yeah. But it's definitely going to take a long amount of time. It takes and time, baby. It takes time. I don't know. Like, what would I think the biggest, the biggest advantage that quantum computing has is mm -hmm. that it can perform multiple tasks at the very mm -hmm. same time. Right. It doesn't have to function through the binary zeros and ones. Exactly. It's, it's a very simple issue that we see, but like, what is this going to do to our productivity? I think it would actually make people smarter. Because here's what I, I think. I do think it would do that. Yeah. But, like, it will reduce so many issues. So, like, well, there are un, an unprecedented amount of issues that I don't even know that we'll have. But, like, leisure, yeah. baby. Leisure. Gonna We're go going up. to see leisure. Um, the work, work and leisure, back to the caveman days. Work was up here. They were working all day, fighting to live. Leisure was low. Then they started making beads and stuff. That was like their low level of leisure. And we, I can't do it with 
without moving my mic, but we see the, the bars sort of shifting. So yeah, leisure. And then, I mean, we'll start to solve a lot of problems here. And we haven't even talked about space travel on this show yet, um, well, on this episode yet, but we're, we're going to start seeing us start to venture out a lot more solving. I mean, we'll probably keep Earth as a wormhole hub and uh, just like, you know, travel around the cosmos, stuff like that. But yeah, we're just gonna, we're gonna start to see a, a huge change in how everything functions. And I believe in how learning functions as well, because I, I was talking about how Neo in the Matrix just uploaded Kung Fu. Like existing within the digital world, whether we have a brain computer interface or we're virtually immersed, we may just be able to like upload certain skills and then you're like okay well then what that's going to destroy legacies you said that last episode like what makes people special so it's going to be extremely interesting to see like i mean you don't want to just instantly learning everything that's why i said there may be like a, a storage like limit or something like that but as jaron's talking about before with moore's law and stuff you can store more and more stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, as long as you don't violate Beckenstein's equation of information storage and create a black hole, then you can keep packing things up. Yep. What were you going to say? You said you think it's going to make people smarter. Yeah. Was yeah. that basically what Caleb said? Because, I mean... I don't, I don't know if he was talking about uploading. Oh, not necessarily yeah. uploading, yeah. but, like, just think us, right? Yeah. We surf the internet, and that's... Some of us would argue that we get more information from the internet than we do from our school system. I agree with that, yeah. like, so much because... Uh, Almost 90, 95, I'll even say 97, dang it, of the things I talk about on this podcast all came from me buying books and uh, reading stuff and on my computer. And not articles and all that. All yeah. the forms of media that we see, yeah. even movies. You talk about the Matrix, but, TV shows. Yeah, I mean, just school did provide us a great fundamental base. So I guess you could say school still created that stuff. But like our extended knowledge, hey, man, it's all packed up in but, this thing right yeah, here. School gives you fundamentals, but I mean... If you get forget what the sign of zero is, yeah. right? I mean, you can just look that up, right? Right. Even though we consider that to be a fundamental of our school, you, and same with the periodic table, table, right? Yeah. I mean, we kind of preach like, make sure you try to memorize as much of the periodic no table as possible. There's There's no point. Why? Why? Right? Like that's that's mental Olympics at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think the brain can only store so much as well, so right. you're only taking up space that could be used for something better. And you don't need you're all of that there. information exactly. at once. Right. Yeah. Like, all that information is not necessary, so why let it take up space in your mind? With mm -hmm. this computational consciousness, some people believe that we're just going to start, like, okay, I learned all this stuff, cool. Uh, like, Weeding Dumbledore out. pulling out the memories yeah. and storing yeah. in, like, well, he had, like, a bath of, like, his knowledge, which, mm -hmm. that was super freaky, super cool. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, I mean, geez, man, like we could go on to this for hour because, hours because like the possibilities are endless. And like, I don't know how much you look up to them, but we all look up to like superheroes in some way. Just like you have this power. Yeah. And like now with like what humanity is doing with like in some ways hacking Darwin, hacking our biology and things across the board, hacking the usual traditional ways of thinking like it's like we almost have superpowers like the things we can achieve now mm -hmm. are great i mean like i talked to emory about this a long time ago but like if you placed one of us like a, a community of us right now 200 years ago and we're just talking on the phone they're gonna lock us up and burn us at the stake like why how are you able to communicate across these distances y'all are freaky witchcraft type of thing yeah. so like it's just human evolution is, is crazy. I love humanity, man. Yeah, but what I've heard is, right, mm -hmm. and what I also kind of believe is that AI 
is a completely different beast than <laughs> our, the, the internet, hey. the steam engine. Yeah. All that species right. of its own. It's the it is the evolutionary child of humanity. That's yeah. why if we don't marry it, <laughs> hey, better beat him or join him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, well, when the steam engine came around, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember there's this newspaper you can probably find on the internet mm-hmm. that was like, uh, I can't remember if it was just pregnant women or women in general <laughs> shouldn't be getting on them because the rates at which they travel would cause a fetus to fly out of you and you, the woman would therefore die. Yeah. Oh, Roe v. Wade. What? <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Dude. Yo, this makes me think about, yo, yesterday Emery was talking about when he becomes a billionaire. Cause I like, did. No, he no, has, no, no, no. He has, <laughs> so we all have like a that. certain value of evil within us. Uh-huh. And Emery was talking about, I mean, when I become a billionaire, I may end up doing some evil things too. And he was talking about how he had, like, him. No, God, please, no, no. His y'all, teacher, if y'all watched the last on, episode, I, I didn't even say that. <laughs> You're an evil What's guy. What's wrong with you? I didn't say it. Stop <laughs> looking at me like that. He's the one that said it. He's the one that said it. He's literally the one that said it. I didn't I'm not say associated. I'm not associated. I said nothing. I didn't oh, say man. that. Please let me keep my billions in the feet. Nope. Bro. Man, I'm going to be bleeping out all this. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be bleeping it out. What What are certain things that keep you up at night? One of them, I can I can bring up two, three of mine. Three of mine, really. One is we live within a highly inflationary universe. Uh, one of the multiverse um, uh, theories I brought up was like literally all of us existing on this inflation field and us just living in a, a pocket, uh, a bubble universe that uh, quantum, uh, just quantum uncertainty and quantum tunneling, frankly, just marked, down, marked us down from the inflationary potential curve. I tried to explain that as simply as I could. But... Um, a lot like, of colorful adjectives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, we everything is expand. Uh, everything is accelerating away from each other. So one of the mottos in um, astronomy buildings right now is "Do astronomy now," because all that we see soon, it's just going to be gone, and we're going to be just living in this pocket. And I mean, new things aren't created as quickly as things are is the the universe is expanding so yeah that's one thing it's like if the information that we know about the cosmos now it'll almost undoubtedly be different than those after us and they might not know certain things astronomy wise so what if cavemen had telescopes and all this technology we had now what could they have seen i don't know if it's that much different i don't think so but i mean that's just one thing um Oh, you were going to uh, speak on that? I mean, well, the only thing I was going to speak on yeah. was that, I mean, they did have telescopes in their eyes, right? Well, they did yeah. what they could. Yeah, right? true. So they just yeah. looked up in the sky, yeah, and that's how we came up with yeah. constellations and yeah. all these names, right? And uh, so, fun astrology, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really remarkable, remarkable to notice that they're able to predict weather patterns through that. Yeah. Oh, my God. And we still do we that to this day. We, we, <laughs> yeah. we use astronomy. Right. Freaking sundial. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, those are extremely intelligent people. Like, the fact, like, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to look up and be like, oh, it's about to rain today. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, no, that's a great point. Yeah. And then another thing um, uh, I talk about 
every episode I say, and I'll say right now, we must get past the great filter. And one of these uh, great filters, I'm, I'm, I talk about the Kardashev scale a lot. Are you familiar with that? It's basically like a way of like classifying like different types of like society, society civilizations, yeah, right? So one. yeah, okay, yeah, because yeah. we're at point seven, and we're like one thing is like, what if some type five civilization is just like, oh, um, we need some water, <laughs> and just like just eliminates us off the, the face of the universe um and then another one well, is just like yeah go ahead go ahead i don't think that would happen because if i think if you're if you reach tier five i don't think you need anything oh no yeah you're that, good yeah that's that that's right that's i agree with that um because and me and emery talk about this a lot because emery's talking about well um systems come becoming this powerful what if they have a malicious intent and maybe this malicious intent just derives from our animalistic um nature basically wanted to create hierarchies and stuff like that maybe you elev get elevated to a certain point where you have no need to attack somebody or you just have no need to to take things from other people we have um, to be indispensable in what we can right attribute to them and then uh Amber, you can what, what what do you have anything that fears that keep you up at night um yeah well i'm gonna eat the next day <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, existentiality. Okay, that's a that's a good one. Ooh, and uh, nice. Huh? I like words. <laughs> uh, yeah, just sometimes I wonder. It's hard to put into words because that's why it keeps me up at night. Yeah. Because um, I wonder, like, not our purpose, but like our future. Okay. Because. Sometimes I worry at like where the world is going, mm -hmm. and like I f I think this is the most evil time that we've ever seen really in existence. Okay, because um, the advent of technology. Oh. Dang, what the freak! <laughs> that was yeah. a strong one this time. Yeah, right? <laughs> the advent of technology, um, and you know social media, mm -hmm. and we've never been able, like I said in the last episode, to communicate with people around the world. Right. Like, make a relation in less than a tenth of a second, literally. Yeah. If right. you re refresh something on Twitter, you can right. see what somebody in Venezuela said. Exactly. And these connections and, you know, just meme culture, there's a yeah. lot of little stuff, yeah. like promoting people being toxic online. Right. That, toxic, that toxicity d spreads, like, into the real world. Mm -hmm. And this merging between the d literal virtual world and our um, actual physical reality. No, say biological. Bio, bro, shut up. <laughs> oh, you got you on that one. You got you on that one. Karma comes back quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he put it in my, he put it in, oh, <laughs> let me not Excuses? say that, bro. Wouldn't <laughs> you? Sorry, keep going. Uh, so just the relation between these, the duality of these worlds. Yeah. And the amount of information that is being shared and politics yeah literally in the past the politics of asia like genghis khan yeah i know these are completely different time periods uh -huh. genghis khan was not worried about king john's <laughs> okay yeah relations in uh england right so all of these all of these like disparities are growing together mm -hmm. and I, a lot of hate is being shared around. Unfortunately. And I believe globalism is one of the things that, I mean, I want it anyway, but it's definitely one of the things necessary to get past certain great filters no, that it's, we I, have ahead. Yeah. Maybe it seemed like I was saying, like, all of this is bad, but uh -huh. it's like, I think it's, 
you know, everything, at, it's in the beta stages. Okay, yeah. It needs to be improved on all of this, like, global interaction. Yeah. And that's, like, what I aspire to do is, like, bring the world together, and but, like, take it out of this hateful place. Right. The tough thing is, like, monetization, really, because um, have you watched have you watched The Social Dilemma? Yeah. Okay, right. And I, I brought bring this documentary up because if, if there is a must-watch documentary, and, I, I mean, I say this year, but we're already early 2020, so 2020 to right now, if there's a must-watch documentary right now, it's The Social Dilemma and not as much Tiger King and stuff like that. But um, what we see algorithms dictating our social structure and it's tough it's tough because like they just put in like okay keep these guys on the screen as long as possible from that the algorithm gets stronger and stronger over time and we see just people being placed in pockets people being just um replenished with the same knowledge over and over not getting a broad look at the entire information structure i guess and just like you have people storming the Capitol because they only see this one side of the story. And I've said this multiple times, but I really just wanted to get your take on it. Uh, like, what do you think of, like, our political structure right now? I mean, it doesn't have to be related to the algorithms, but preferably. But, I mean, just anyway, the, our political structure right now in, in the United States and the entire world. Yeah, so I believe that, and this might be because of how much I love science, but mm-hmm. you have to actively search out information that you don't immediately agree with. Right, so like, it's an enlightened brother. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, bro. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So, like, if something doesn't automatically agree with you, you should look for things like that because then you can broaden your perspectives, mm-hmm. and that allow you to see the world differently. And then, I mean, to piggyback, I guess on right, you guys picture a world where um, there's less hate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, more globalized. Possibly everyone speaks the same language. That might help. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not, because you'd be erasing cultures, and mm-hmm. usually the ways cultures are er- erased is through war. Okay. However, I do think that it is possible, but we would need a common enemy, right? And I mean, exactly. You, the, right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. And you see this in Independence Day, right? Uh huh. And I think a lot of times this is one of the questions that keeps me up at night, right? Okay. Does oh, art, I forgot we were doing that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So does art imitate? The real world or does the real world imitate art, right? Okay. I think so, they go hand in hand. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's like a continuous spiral, right? Yeah. So um, one influences the other, and then that comes back to influence that. Yeah. So in Independence Day, uh, the gist is, right, near the end of the movie, they all unite against the aliens that are invading, right? Mm-hmm. I think that would have to happen to us. Right. In order for like there to be like absolutely – because we would be – brothers in arms at that point right right? so why would i kill my fellow human being uh we need to defeat this alien right because we said this on i think episode seven uh when we were talking about them finding water molecules on the moon we talked about uh we asked casey the possibility of a uh, other uh intelligent life and we were like this, this was really my first time thinking about it i was like well shoot one of the most unifying things possible could be finding another alien species because we have all these races black white pink purple and once you have this other intelligent species then it's like okay eh, mm-hmm. f that we're all human yeah mm-hmm. but here's the thing though right mm-hmm. that's alien species yeah i think sometimes people like have that stereotype that an alien is like this big green <laughs> tall lanky dude yeah. with what big eyes LGM, little green man or exactly BGM, right? big green man yeah um it could be 
technically an alien can be classified as anything that's living yeah. outside of our universe, right? Or outside of our Earth as we know it. Yeah. So it could be some microorganism that I don't appears. Know. I think, I think the common man, us as scientists, and a lot of people who are in that, like, who are just interested in that stuff, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would be like, would love it. I mean, I would be like, hey, let's go. Yeah. But like, I think like uh, some like common, they'd be like, man, you just found some exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. It could be like a parasite that comes to, like a zombie movies. You uh, always see people yeah. banding together because they need each other to survive. Oh, mm-hmm. true, true, true. Yeah. So, well, we're getting into the microorganisms part, right? I want to yeah. put a pin in that because I'm going to come back to that. Okay. So. The only way for us to be unified in the event that aliens came, right? Mm-hmm. The alien would have to be smarter than we are, right? Mm-hmm. It'd have to be a more intelligent species. Okay. Because innately, you're not afraid of anything that you're smarter than. Yeah, we're not right? afraid of monkeys. Or we're afraid of intelligence because yeah. knowledge is power. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So if that's, I think, why some people have fears of insects, right? Because mm-hmm. they can, some can fly. Uh-huh. We can't do that, and you might not be able to process why they can yeah. fly, right? Some can crawl upside down, right? And your understanding of it is kind of minimal. Right. And, you know, that's why I don't like roaches, but that's another point. <laughs> so, yeah, it would have to be a species that's a lot more intelligent than we are, and we would be innately afraid of that. And I think uh, there's only one or two ways that's going down. Either they start controlling us or we somehow find a way because i mean yeah they if are they're, smart if they're malicious well, yeah. people don't realize that we already have our common enemy i could go into it and say it's the deep state uh-huh but i really believe that it's like hate is the common enemy among men true it should because, be it should be because if everyone came to the realization like if ever there was an alien you know, people will build hate towards them. They yeah. don't want us to overtake us. Yeah. That we don't want them to overtake us, but we don't realize that we're already overtaking ourselves yeah. through hate. It's mm-hmm. our attachment to hierarchies, man. Like we, somebody wants to be the king of the jungle. Yeah. Somebody wants to be the king of the jungle. that would be the easy way out. That would be the easy way out for humanity. Oh, but like the yeah. harder way. Absolutely. Yeah. The harder Absolutely. way would just be everybody realizing that hate is useless. It and, gives, mm-hmm. it provides you nothing. And you I believe have no enemies. You make them for yourself. And yeah. I believe our generation is more prepared for that than any of the previous ones. We see the breakdown of racial yeah. barriers and stuff like that. I mean, that's how it should be, right? The right. next generation should always be the it best. It is yeah. just like that. But like how I was saying, like with uh, social media and all that, uh-huh. you see it like black and white. You see all the time people like going like, if you go on Twitter and like an SJW tweets something like defending women's rights and right. everything, yeah. you'll always see somebody in the troll like trolling in the comment section for attention. Because time is what's being monetized more a little bit more so than like money and stuff or um oh my god. A little bit more so than like other things, time mm-hmm. is what our world is functioning off right now. How much attention can I get from you? That's who's making the most money. It's how much attention can I get? So like Really, people do that just strictly for attention. They want to feel, they see, like, they, it's like kind of like wanting to feel special and stuff like this. And then, like, also the algorithms, to keep somebody on the screen, people are less subject to seeing that challenges their beliefs, as you said, than wanting to just see something that makes them feel good. If I believe climate change is a hoax, and then I get an article from yes. somebody saying that, uh, climate change is a hoax i'm like oh yeah i'm right i'm smarter when really you're just supplementing your same belief replicating the the algorithm itself yeah exactly and from here is like the big thing which i wrote like an entire flow chart just 
impulsively because in class, like my teacher didn't let me talk. But it's like it's all fundamentally based off the algorithm, which creates the binary divisiveness. This is like it's good versus evil now, which where it's it's why why yeah it's subjective like it's good versus evil and now the people that are storming the people that storm the capitol they're like they're going against the evil i don't know i guess the election fraud whatever was evil to them like um yeah it's just it's crazy what we've created so can the solution be i mean you can't tear down the social media networks can you i mean they're still they're still making money off of data do, do we have a governing body that limits the amount of data that they collect therefore they don't monetize it as much i, mm. I don't know i you think know. the solution is i don't think there's an issue with data right okay. the more data the better I, well let me let me let me make make it more clear it's not the fact that there is data i love the data it's just the fact that they're making money off of getting so much from you that's what really put this keep them on the screen as long as possible uh, model in motion. Really, what if it's with positive things that you're being kept on the screen with, right? So well, it should be that. Point. The only problem exactly. is we love negativity so much. Is that we shouldn't? But what keeps us on the screen is, I mean, why do people watch CNN for so long, hating on Trump? If that, if that was the case, then we would look at positive things more. What these. Uh, media companies, CNN, Fox News, and stuff are making fun, are making money over is complaining and just making money over the negative things that happen in politics. Is yeah, and Jerron, you said earlier that like, what is my forte? What do I like? Yeah, Hmm. and I hate politics. Okay, but I'm going to major into political science. Okay, and I believe because politics is the root of the evil that we see in society today. So you're a superhero. No, oh. <laughs> I want to be. He's hey, a shaker. What? He's a world changer. People always say like you have to do the change from the inside. Yeah, and like I do agree with that, and that's like what I'm leaning towards doing right now, which is why I'm majoring in political science. Right. But it all comes down to the people themselves. Mm-hmm. I like I I'm not gonna be able to put into legislation to say like you guys ignore all the hateful things being said online. I just need to be able to get to get to a stage where I can like possibly show influence. Mm-hmm. Just be like like you said, it'll be a shaker. I need yeah. to be some mm-hmm. like somebody I want to be somebody that like you changes will. Yeah, you changes will. the structure. We need you to yeah. get there, my man. Yeah. So I mean what I picture as being the solution to that whole issue is mm-hmm. <sighs> education. Which is what a lot of things come back to. I mean I agree. If you can start from when someone's a youth, right? Because we know what I believe is, right? And this comes from The Karate Kid, one of my favorite movies, right? Um, There's no such thing as a bad student, just a bad teacher. Okay. Right? So if you can – most people don't have that wonderful structure of family life at home, right? Mm -hmm. So they're being – they're probably being taught bad things, being taught how to hate just like the previous generation. Yeah. Right? But if you can kind of get in there and – um, kind of start dropping little tokens of, hey, this is wrong. Uh, and, of course, it, it would be kind of weird to create um, a curriculum based off that because yeah. then you'd have to decide what's wrong versus what's good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that stuff could be subjective. depends on how you see it. But, yeah, I think it, it definitely begins with education. And I mean, we've seen that with um, – women in education as well, right? So the way, surprisingly, to solve poverty is to just educate more, Mm -hmm. um, to solve excess 
reproduction is to just educate more women. Mm -hmm. So I think deeper than education, the un the understanding between like being taught something and learning something needs to be understood because just because something is said to you like it's listed in the curriculum, you don't need to understand all of it. You can pick and choose and that's what gives you your individuality. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like I can't speak on it myself, but like just being in a bad situation, be, be it a home situation, be it like stuck around a bad friend group, that shouldn't be an excuse to like let that affect your entire lives because mm -hmm. we are given a certain level of consciousness to where we can decide for our own, like mm -hmm. what is but wrong or good. Do yeah. we have free will, John? Of course. You think so? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. here's why. You have free will as long as you don't attach yourself to someone else. Right. Yeah, and the way you attach yourself to someone else is by comparing yourself to them. Mm -hmm. Right. So and I think that's where hate stems from. Right. OK. Um, like you're it's just stems from competition. Right. When you compete with someone, you have to be better than them. Right. Because human na it's nature to want to win. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you're not winning and you feel like it's no fault over your own because you're competing with someone else. Um, when that person just has gifts that you don't have, yeah, right. You haven't found your passion. Um, that creates that kind of hate, that mm. resentment, right? right? I'm a but pacifist, but like, do you believe? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, you're fine. Do you believe that um, hate is necessary for innovation? Or you mean competition? I think so. Either yeah. or. Yeah, I hate think competition towards um, like concepts and mm -hmm. things that are inanimate, right? Yeah. So. For example, cancer. Right. I hate cancer. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what makes me want to solve cancer. Right? right. Why do I hate cancer? Because it plagues our nation, it plagues the world. Right. And uh, we lose a lot of revolutionary people to it. So, so I do want to open up the next topic since you brought up cancer. Mm -hmm. I think this is a great way um, to transition. Are we getting crispy? crispy. We're getting very crispy. Let's uh, not talk or about are food we though. Getting R I. Or RNAi. <laughs> I'm talk to you about RNAi. <laughs> okay. okay. Everyone wants, <laughs> wants to popularize CRISPR. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. I get CRISPR is like the iPhone. Yeah. Okay, but RNAi. Okay. Is a thing as well. Okay. It's like the Samsung of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, we don't we don't use droids around here, bro. <laughs> well, I've only gone um, deeply, I guess, into CRISPR, um, and I'm not like. I mean, just like, just like it's super cool. Anyway, yeah, when nice. when you're talking about, and we don't have to, because we all all three of us know how CRISPR functions, right? So yeah. I don't, I, I've already explained yeah, what it is explained four it times. Five episodes. Yeah, four. I've explained four. it many I mean, times. Depending on the guests, you would have to. Well, yeah, that's saying. Yeah. I, sometimes I want to explain it to guests. Sometimes there's new viewership. So like, yeah, there. But it's just a gene editing tool. That's all I'm gonna leave it, leave it as right now. Um, but um, on episode. 16 wait no 17 or something we uh yeah 17 uh crispr um because with crispr screening you can find the guess the underlying gene that causes more like a, a macro problem basically so it found that um basically they believe that cancer kills this thing called traf3 traf3 is what tells cells to stop dividing mm -hmm. so they found that cancer kills this basically letting the cells run rampant right so 
we've seen CRISPR, it now has merit to cure things such as cancer. And we've talked about CRISPR so many times, we think it's great that it can basically solve disease and stuff like that. But I want to go deeper, and I want to go ahead and ask you this. Must we subject ourselves to death? Jerome, before you answer, what's the secret message for today? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, go ahead. um, Give the family a secret message. Um, Spread more love and positivity. Spread more love and positivity. Easy. Just like that. Okay, so back to the question. Shout out to, uh, there's oh, just yeah. one person in the comment section that comments on literally every video. I Samantha Salmon. Yes, sir. There's another one. It's uh, her name, or his name starts with a G. Like Garcia Bird or something. Oh, that's my, oh. that's my grandma. Oh, okay. That's my grandmother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's my grandmother. She's, yeah, she's great. Shout out to okay, her. grandma. Yeah, or goddess uh, specifically. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Got so many great listeners out there, man. I love, love this community. Um, but yeah, so must, must we subject ourselves to death? Or do you think it's something that's necessary? Like, do you think it's something inevitable? Yeah. Okay. Death is inevitable, mm-hmm. right? Um, again, this kind of leads back to how you can... It depends on what you believe, right? Yeah. Do you believe that you have a soul and then your physical body? Right. And the two are forever until death okay. intertwined, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, for me, I mean, that's just what I believe, right? Yeah. Um, but... I think your ideas could live on forever. I mean, we have, I mean, we see this today, right? The goal, I think, is to not be forgotten right. once you die. What right? did I say? Yeah. A legacy. Yeah. yeah. You want to leave a legacy behind. Like, yeah. I think t- probably to the end of this world, everyone's going to remember LeBron James. <laughs> right. Like, and Michael Jordan and just all the greats, right? Everyone's yeah. going to remember um, the president's. Some more than others. Everyone's going to yeah. remember George Washington. Yeah. That's a fact. Everyone's going to remember Einstein. Newton. Anyone with something named after them yeah. will remember Those it, concepts. Right? right. Yeah. So. And us three right here. Exactly. Um, Yeah. I mean, that, that that's a great, I, I like that way of looking at it. But some people that believe like death is their ending, right? They just, there's nothing that comes after that. It Death is a fear. So like the fear of death has brought on healing and medicine and stuff like that. So what we're seeing now is cancer is something that's bringing along death. They fear death, so they're getting rid of, they're trying to mitigate this stopgap, I guess, to, to living more life. So uh, CRISPR is not something, I mean, well, I don't think it's something that grants eternal life, but it's also like scientists now, and oh, what's the guy's name at Harvard? who's he's basically really into reverse aging Sinclair something Sinclair or something like that Um, but we're starting to find the the fundamental reason for aging and um, and death and stuff like that so there's a lot of people who don't believe that believe like this generation is or the last generation was the last generation to even die like there's a there's there's a huge community behind that yeah okay so like is millennials? They believe the millennials were the. Well, are we the ones after millennials? I don't even yeah. know. Yeah, okay, so then, yeah, then we millennials were the last generation to die. Some people believe that. Um, and you can go ahead and speak on that. I have a few like step backs to that. I, you know, you're probably about to say what I'm gonna say. Um, but yeah, you can, you can go ahead. No, I don't think we're the last generation. Or I mean, millennials I are the last generation yeah. to die, right? Uh-huh. So Gen Z is gonna die. Uh, generation after that is going to die and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but life expectancy is going to be greatly increased. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the times, the 
like exponential increase in life expectancy yeah. corresponds to exponential increase in technology. Yep. Right. So with the steam engine revolution, mm-hmm. it just so happened that life expectancy also increased. Right. Same with the internet revolution and so on, awesome. uh, which which we're gonna have with the AI revolution, right? Right. Because uh, I don't want to get into that. That's a whole other world. Sure. So uh, to answer your question about. Uh, prolonging death yeah. out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's out of fear of death necessarily because sure. some argue that death is just a part of life. Oh, that's what Emery said, yeah. Yeah, so like technically you don't live if you don't die. Okay. Right? Okay. So, and that's what gives life its meaning, its beauty. Right. Right? That you're only here for a finite amount of time, so mm-hmm. you have to make the most of it, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, I mean, if you had all the time in the world to do anything, you would do nothing. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's almost like going Man. to the finite nature. Zebra, yeah, I told you. you. Rela- he has both aspects. Uh, the, were, the, the, like, I was stumped on the science aspect, uh-huh. and then y'all were just bouncing off each other. Yeah. Now he's, like, emulating everything I've been saying. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's, the, it's like yeah. the, it's the, like the imagine, finite nature is what gives yeah. life its meaning. And imagine, like, for example, you go to a buffet, right? Mm-hmm. It's for some people, it's hard to choose what to eat yeah. for a long time because yeah. there's so many options, right? right? There's so much to eat. Mm-hmm. And imagine if that buffet was infinite, right? <laughs> now right. you're even <laughs> stuck there for a long amount of time. Yeah. And an hour has gone by and you still haven't chosen anything to eat. Yeah. Right. So you would just be greatly stagnated, I think. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think where our species um, kind of differentiates with others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like turtles, for example, right? Yeah. Turtles live for a very long time, mm-hmm. right? much longer than we do. Right. Um, and some lobsters as well. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. And the reason for that isn't because like they found some new technology or they mm-hmm. have. The, it's a thing they haven't built biologically within mm-hmm. them, and that is, as they get older, mm-hmm. they get better. Okay. Right. As we get older, we get worse. Right. right. Like our bones, physical yeah. wisdom. Gone, mm-hmm. Right. So. And actually, as we get older, the harder we have to work physically. Mm, right? The as energy we have to expel, Exactly, yeah. right? Like, they say, um, like, by the time you're in your 60s, you should start weightlifting so that you build yeah. bones that are that won't break. Like, yeah. they won't shatter as easily, yeah, right? Yeah, bone so, density or Exactly. Like that, yeah. So, with animals like turtles that live for so long, they mm. just get better as they age. And... Uh, Scientists are able to identify what that is, but yeah. incorporating that within our genes, yeah. right? Since we're and like the the past, like the what am I looking for? Like the ancestry behind mm-hmm. um, our species correlated with theirs. Yeah. We're so far from turtles. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it would just be very hard. Some um, people want to take. Like CRISPR is like something that you, it's kind of like the golden scissors type of thing. I, I know, but like some people, like there, there's some people that are like adamant about like, okay, just let's take that and put it here. It's not as simple as that because although it's a strand, I mean, it goes a lot further than that. Exactly. But, um, yeah. Even though CRISPR is like so-called the golden scissors, yeah. right? Yeah. They're not diamond. Okay? Right, right. So <laughs> it only works... Like, I, I think some people get the impression that CRISPR works on, like, literally, oh, I can put this here and this here yeah. and this here. But, like, no, CRISPR works in a way that, okay, um, I can't really work on this part of the DNA strand, mm-hmm. but this, they have this thing called PAM. Yeah. Right? I can work on this PAM part mm-hmm. of the DNA strand. Um, that's pretty much where my influence lies. Everything yeah. else, out of my control. Right. So. But, I mean, the the big thing here and is that, we're starting to gain more and more control. Jacob 
Meitzel or whatever, who a guy that I listened to, a biologist. He his book is called Hacking Darwin. That's why I, um, I talked about it. But we're gaining more and more control. And one of the things we're seeing in the future, with which a lot of traditionalists and religious people absolutely hate, is the advent of designer babies. And there's there's lots of different ways you can look at it. And some people see it as playing with God. And initially, some people are like, heck yeah, I want to do that. If before, um, if like they are undergoing in vitro fertilization or something like that, and they say, okay, your baby has the potential to have like leukemia or something, Mm -hmm. then some people say, okay, yeah, no, I don't want them to have that. And then some people are like, well, hold on. Do these people... Are the, do these people not have a place in the world? Why would you get rid of people like that? Are you saying that I, with leukemia, don't have a place to live in this world? And there's a, a fight there. And then there's also the fight like, okay, some people don't want to do it at all. Some people want to do it. If, there, if, if there's money involved, there's a wealth gap. Some people may now just have like, okay, I have the body of the rock and the intelligence of Einstein, and you're just still down below. And then there's also, okay, well, for one, you can't ban it um, because that'll create underground stuff. And another one is, God, there's so many. I keep going, right? But there's also, okay, China and North Korea. North Korea is not as scientifically advanced, but China especially, they have this technology, right? They already unlawfully, well, <laughs> unlawfully to us, but to them it wasn't unlawful because, I mean, they can do whatever they want, right? They just took two babies and they they were doing CRISPR stuff, right? And if they build up a, a, like a, a society of super soldiers type of thing, it's going to pressure other people to do it as well, Yeah. yeah so, unfortunately. Uh, regarding the religious aspects, right? Yeah. Um, in the Bible, right? God is the Alpha and the Omega, right? So mm-hmm. they're at the beginning of time, and it'll be there at the very end. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and in addition to that, we as humans are God's greatest creation, right? Mm-hmm. Hence why we're created in his image, mm-hmm. as stated by him, right? Mm-hmm. So if we are created by him, right, and if God is omniscient and knows all, which yeah. we do believe to, do, mm-hmm. uh, to be true, right, um, from a religious standpoint, he knows our potential, right? right? So therefore... You can kind of trace, like, if I build a chair, technically that chair is built by God. Yeah, right? I, and I say, so if I we say build this, yeah, something to yeah. where we can genetically modify right. people, that's from God. I right. say this, but yeah. people yeah. don't. People just say, no, no, no. You're yeah. playing God and type of thing. Another thing, too, is I think people um, get attached to, like, things that they're born with mm-hmm. or a disease that they might um, get, right? It's okay. so, like, for example, right? Uh, blindness, mm-hmm. or you know what? No, deaf. The deaf community goes strong, right? Okay. So I, I know that's even. Oh, deaf. Up. I thought yeah. you said deaf. Okay, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're not living. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what? No. <laughs> the deaf community, <laughs> right? So, right. Uh, there's like just divisions even between um people who get hearing aids, yeah, and then those who don't, who choose not to, and okay. purely just communicate with sign language, right? right? Yeah, and they war with each other, like. They, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, but if like us who can hear and are like outside to mm-hmm. that culture, mm-hmm. we're just like, you guys are both deaf. Like, what's the issue? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think people like to form communities based off, um, certain ailments. Yeah, ailments, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I mean that's natural, right? You want to find something that, or you want to find people that are going through what you're going through. Humans function off of sociality. Exactly right, and that kind of gives you a perspective on the world. Yeah. Um, and it makes you 
feel like you found something. You don't feel lost. Like you don't feel like you're the only one being afflicted by mm-hmm. this, right? Yeah. And you're able to compare your challenges with someone else's and kind of navigate life that way, right? Yeah. Um. But with CRISPR, right? I yeah. think anyone that's ever had cancer, right? Yeah. Would never want anyone else to go through that. Right. Right. They have had chemotherapy, especially, right? Mm-hmm. I you wouldn't want anyone else going through chemotherapy, mm-hmm. right? If there was like an end all solution, you'd be like, yes, I'm for that. Right. Right. So I'm kind of conflicted with it okay. because it's kind of similar to like how the abortion debate was treated. Okay. Um, in the sense of, are you talking about cancer or designer babies? Designer babies. Okay. In the sense of where, not where life begins, but like what life is. Okay. Because, if you see diseases as a part of life, mm-hmm. which I do personally, because I believe like death shouldn't be avoided, um, yeah. then it's kind of like altering fate. Because if you think of like in the case case of abortion, it's like you're taking away what could have been a life. Yeah. But you have no sense of like seeing what that life could be. Um, this is like to me, it's like taking away aspects of life. Yeah, in, in the long run of what life is. I've just I'm I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm thinking about it the wrong way, but like we've talked about this now like maybe four or five times and just like I've always kind of had a little problem with that way of thinking just because like okay, if it's all fate, then why did we ever create medicine? Why is there ever healing? That mm-hmm. that's just kind of where I take it. Mm-hmm. If we've always if we if we kept that thinking throughout the entire expanse of humankind then we'd still we'd still never make it to 30 40 50 whatever Mm -hmm. and now we're making it to 90 and 100 Mm -hmm. so like i don't know and like if you look like if you read the bible i mean some people think this is like kind of open to interpretation Uh but um you have people like i think enoch is the name right that early in the early days lived to be like plus 200 years old Mm -hmm. right um so i don't know I mean, it's always been a possibility, right, technically? Yeah. Um, maybe back then you could argue, right, if you were to be back then, right, you'd argue, okay, well, the world is cleaner, um, oh, fresher yeah. air. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think people sometimes neglect how much the environment has an impact on your internal mm-hmm. ecosystem, right? Sustainability. So, yeah, that and this kind of goes back to leisure, right? Yeah. As AI increases, we're going to become more leisurely. Mm-hmm. Um and that is an issue because people are already very leisure now, right? Like you can, if you're hungry and you're on the road, the first yeah. thought is, let me go get fast food, right? right. But I, th- I think people sometimes neglect what that might be doing to the ecology of your GI tract. Uh-huh. And not only that, your brain, right? Because yeah. your brain likes food as well, mm-hmm. right? I like to think that your body has two stomachs, Okay, right? yeah. Obviously, the one in your tummy and then the one in your brain. Tummy. <laughs> and yeah. your brain loves polyunsaturated fats, right? Mm. Um. That's just what it loves. It helps a lot of the functions that the brain undergoes on a daily basis uh, happen, right? And I just, you'd be very surprised, right? I read a book called Brain Food mm-hmm. by Lisa Moscani um, from Cornell University, right? Established the first Alzheimer's prevention clinic in the nation. Mm-hmm. She was able to essentially provide a an outstanding argument for the ability of food to have an impact on your future health, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, like I talked about before, 
the species that live longest are the ones that get better as they age, right? Mm-hmm. Alzheimer's stems, Alzheimer's, a lot of people think it has major ties to genetics, right? Okay. But she argues that maybe 60 to 70% of what causes Alzheimer's is what you eat, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about your diet. Okay. Um, so uh, it's like, but that takes a lot of work, right? To monitor what you eat and to make sure you're eating the right things. And not only yeah. that, it takes the fun, right? People love having fun. That's part of leisure. Right. Um, and people see fun in eating, right? right? You just eat what you want to because it tastes good. Yeah. Um, not necessarily because it's healthy for you. Yeah. I mean, humans, they instant gratification. That's yeah. just it's what we're. Exactly. What right? we love. Yeah. And I think the issue that we're dealing with now is that the food that we have now is so removed from what it used to be. Right. Okay. It doesn't pack the same amount of nutrients mm-hmm. uh, due to a lot of things. Right. Uh, the in uh, corporations, yeah, right. You have stuff like Big Chicken, which is <laughs> hilarious to me. Yeah, but yeah, Big Chicken, um, <laughs> <laughs> just like Big Tobacco, right? It's it's just trying to make We're a profit. So like right? a, a, Clifford's, a, a Clifford size chicken. Yeah, Can you imagine yeah. that. <laughs> I am mad at Big Chicken. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude. Oh, God. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's. I mean, that's great stuff. Hopefully, I mean, I have, I put all my faith. Um, or my not faith, but like, well, yeah, I guess kind of faith um, for the development of humankind. I put a, a large amount of it into science, into scientific advancement. So I see it as two directions. Either we develop some better sort of food. The only problem is capitalism and stuff like that. Obviously, the, I mean, why is fast food, I mean, so prominent? I mean, we got, I mean, you can buy st- stuff for five bucks, a whole bunch mm-hmm. of food for $5. You can feed your whole family for $5 type of thing. Um, but so, I mean, either developing new t- food or actually changing what we have going on in here. Mm-hmm. May that be through CRISPR or other some sort of bioengineering. Mm-hmm. The only problem is like there's the, so this is what I've started. I, I've been a little quiet recently just because I started thinking about it this way. It's either like science sort of helps us to like work less hard i mean that's what technology is it's to enhance the life of the owner so like a lot of the scientific ideas i put forth it kind of just knocks out a lot of the hard work it's hard work creating the science yeah um so it's like a, it's there needs to be a balance between okay you just need people to work harder eat a little bit better but there's also like okay science is lowering the bar of how hard you have to and work you need too. purpose you need purpose yeah, the, yeah. that um the actual um, what's the word for it? The conflict is what get what what breeds for the purpose, right? Uh-huh. So like doubling back on um, the healing, like mm-hmm. what you said, yeah. Like um, basically your stance on it is, if I'm correct, is like there's no need for this harm. Not like why should we subject ourselves to death, but why should we subject ourselves to ailment as well? Uh, yeah, pr- pretty much. So pretty much like, so. Yeah, basically. My, I'm thinking like the ailment is necessary because like the conflict breeds the purpose. Okay. So, I mean, like, yeah, I feel like the uh, CRISPR is like it seems like the end all be all of all health issues. That plus, well, that for genetic stuff, and then Neuralink for neurodegenerative diseases. But so, yeah. if there are no more health issues, not only would that look, um, not only would that stunt innovation, um. That would also take away from, 
I say this in every, like every episode, but yeah. I believe the meaning of life is brought brought about by death. Yeah, so. and that that's possible. And it's like, why do people work hard? They're like, okay, I got to get this before the end of my life. It's like there's finite like it's time intervals that make us work hard i mean i don't know like i i don't have cancer i work my ass off I, all, all summer waking up at 4 a.m every day this, i'm on a schedule i'm working hard so mm-hmm. i don't think for me it's just like i don't know i just have like something inside of me that like me and jaron were talking about before like just like kind of like what pretty much we were talking about like what makes you work hard what things do you work for mm-hmm. and like mine which i told him that we talk about during the podcast is that like i just want to be great that's why did i spend hours in the gym nine to six nine to three six to nine every day for two summers why did i do that that's just because just from the one theme of my life is greatness okay why so this is how i stepped into science part of it now is creating greatness for other people and helping a a large amount of people but it's also just greatness for myself as well yeah it's a little selfish so like I don't know that. I mean, there's multiple things that add to our purpose. So I get your point, but like that, just for me, it didn't stem from like health issues or anything like, like that. Yeah, but I get what you're saying. I hate getting hurt. Like you know, yeah. If I skin my, if I skin my leg, yeah. You know, I'm glad somebody made the band aid and uh, alcohol so I could clean my wound. No, nah, what about fate? You know, what about fate, bro? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm glad that I have these facilities to do so. But if I had no worries. I would not know like the feeling of worry. So fate this is gonna literally demolish some integral human human emotions. So fate has to start or stop. What does at fate some have point. to do with this? Because you brought up fate before. You said that you don't want to get rid of. You don't want to do these things to mitigate death because you should just be subject to fate, right? And I don't think fate is no. Just I, death, said, I said. I said. I said this in a previous episode. Okay. I don't. Fate is different from destiny. Okay. I believe you could determine your own fate. Destiny is predetermined. Okay. So taking away like, like the, with the designer babies, if you take away somebody's um, potential. So is that it, destiny or fate? That's fate. Okay. If you well destiny. Okay. Destiny because you're right. predetermining. Okay. One aspect of their life. Right. I believe that. Maybe there like there are some hurdles that you shouldn't be able to overcome. Okay. The the only problem I have with that there is because when we make. It's hard to stop certain things. Certain things just keep going, right? It's hard to make a decision. Okay, I'm gonna stop it here. That's why I had the. That's why episode five was so good with this. But that's the issue I had, and that's what made our famous clip, right? I said define the stop gap because I was like, okay, you have genetic engineering, right? Do you stop with, with just making better food? Do you stop with just curing minor diseases? Do you stop curing big diseases, cancer? Like, where does it stop, and who gets to decide? That's the problem. And there's no. I mean, there's no all dictator that says like okay this is where it stops maybe the science is just not possible i don't think so but the problem is defining a stop gap once you get to a certain point it seems as if it's just going to keep going that that's my only that's where it kind of all stems from for I me mean, i don't really have any opinion on where it should end you do though I, no i just believe you 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 put it forth though because you said no. well, I have a question, hold on right? let me explain okay. here you go I don't believe I have any opinion on where it should end. Uh-huh. I have, I think, hmm, I have an idea of what it should not become. Okay, okay, sure. Okay, so is, is death fate or destiny? Death. 
Biger. Well, it's fate because uh, like uh, you weren't here. You the previous episode hasn't been uploaded yet. Yeah. But I like said, if a car is dr- driving towards you, it's up to you whether you want to like stand there, let the car hit you, uh-huh. or if you want to jump out of the way and avoid like an avoidable death. Right. Mm-hmm. But um. But death ter- is in- inevitable, right? Death is inevitable. So wouldn't that be okay? But, okay. The, but the form of death is your fate. So oh, death okay, is destiny. You, your you. form of death is fate. Is okay, fate. Got it. Okay. What if I told you that we cure all the diseases, all the deaths that you say in fate? The only death that's inevitable is just because entropy and our consciousness just can't survive for an amount of time. Are you good with that? Or because this stuff, like, I mean, I'm unapologetic in saying I want to live for multiple centuries. Yeah, but maybe it's not because of of cancer or something that maybe it's just like my consciousness, information, entropy, whatever. It well, just that deteriorates case it over time. Because huh? that's fate. Okay. In that case, it would be so, fine because you can decide when you want to switch it off. We're in agreement. Well, yeah, okay, we're in agreement. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. So I sort of had a revelation. Um, people around me know I'm deep into theoretical physics. And I was super, this is still quantum, but I was super attached to the measurement problem. And um, I got into different things. So... I got into the many worlds interpretation. That was my big thing. I was like, oh, the wave function decohering. There exists um, a large amount of me's existing across all these alternate universes. I was big on that. And then I, um, I'm reading Brian Greene's book. Um, gosh, I don't even know the, the whole name of the book. And I've been reading it for so long. But it's um, I'm just having a brain fart right now. Um, but it's basically about multiverse and parallel worlds theory and one of them that i came across just kind of hit all the boxes of things that i like it hit quantum it hit um just like fundamental nature and it also hit computing in a way and this was the holographic universe theory what if things that happen in this three-dimensional universe what if the phenomena emanates from a two-dimensional substrate i guess basically so how this was found was Physicists love conservation laws, and one of them was conservation of information. And Stephen Hawking, one of my heroes, was like, hey, a black hole is destroying information. And we were like, whoa, 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 what? Physicists were like, no, that must not happen. You cannot destroy information. So over time, we found that entropy and information were linked. Entropy is a measure of the hidden uh, information content of a system. It's the information content that dis- that distinguishes macroscopic items. So all of the microscopic things that distinguish this iPhone 7 from another iPhone 7 is its information content. Sounds and, like the soul to me. Uh, I don't know, but maybe, right? Informi- information and entropy are linked. So we know that ent- entropy should not decrease. It's it should be over zero, right? But what the black hole is showing is it's decreasing entropy because it's like encoding all of these different things out in the universe into like one type of thing. And black holes are kind of made out of like the same stuff on the event horizon. The event horizon is the thing that you cross into. Once you cross the event horizon, you cannot get out of it, right? Um, are you about to say something? I was just going to say, I think that was the initial sentiment mm-hmm. that black holes were destroying energy. Right. But I saw another uh, kind of report and yeah. something I read was uh, they're not destroying energy. They just kind of 
change it into something else and then yes. export it back into and the coding. Universe, right. right. So that is exactly what I'm about to talk about. So once Hawking came found out Hawking radiation that actually black holes aren't so black. Black holes are actually radiating. Mm -hmm. If we were some anointed figure, God maybe, and we could see the entire expanse of time, we would see a black hole, it's eating up stuff, but over time it would actually evaporate and become, it would evaporate all of its stuff, right? Y'all seen Agario? Um, you know the game Agario? Yeah. Oh yeah, kind of like that, yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, it would, yeah, yeah. yeah, it would give up all of its stuff, right? Throwback. So, <laughs> for something to have radiation, you have to find out um, the, the entropy, so like, we now that it's radiating, we know it has entropy, so it's not decreasing entropy over time, right? Therefore, it's not destroying information. So we so these people, Leonard Suskind, uh, Gerald Tehuft, and um, Russo, uh, for guys Raphael Busso or whatever, um, they're all finding that okay, information must be fundamental. So okay, now they're trying to find the fundamental nature of in information. They find. Be Beckenstein finds that the limit of information in any system is directly proportional to its surface area, not to its volume. So, if the so the there it's an inequality. The most amount of information I can pack into one space is this mathematical equation. I'll probably put it up on the screen, right? And you would think, okay, you're putting more stuff into it, so it should increase increase proportional to its volume. The more stuff. No, it turned out to be the surface area that is the actual limit of information. From that, and I'm kind of condensing everything here, from that they found that, okay, to describe the information content of anything anywhere, because it shouldn't just be black holes, of anything anywhere is actually its surface area around the, the entire thing. And it's mapped with Planck cells, uh, cells, Planck cells, mm -hmm. the Planck length being the shortest length that distance has meaning, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's 10 to the negative 33 centimeters. So if you square that, then that's a Planck cell. And so that's how the information content is mapped around any surface. Now, the interesting thing about this is that within a Planck cell, it's as if that is one bit of information. Hold on, bits? That looks like zeros and ones to me. So it's sort of if the universe, we, that in, under this theory, we're seeing the universe functioning through something kind of like a computer, a lower dimensional information state translating to bulk space, a higher dimensional um, like phenomena. Jerron said earlier that light speed is like instantaneous one way. It could like, be. It's it not. Could be. Yeah. So could that's an example of entropy, right? Um. It doesn't. It, I mean, it like. Yeah. I mean, it works both ways, yeah. but not the same. Right. Um. So like, yeah, it's just like a, a crazy way of thinking about the universe. Like, why is information based off of surface area and not volume? I don't. Well, it's interesting, right? Yeah. So if we think about this, right? Let's think about your your man Elon Musk, right? Yeah. First principles. What do we know for sure, right? Right. So, What's the derivative of volume uh -huh. surface area? Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So I would probably, if I was researching this, I would like try to find um, the, so we're talking about the informational content that is going into this object, right? Uh -huh. And you're giving me advice here because I don't know if you're going to say what, I, what I'm already doing, but yeah, mm -hmm. I am going so, into this. So too. like whatever equation uh, is what we use to determine informational input or mm -hmm. output, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the derivative of that is, might be directly proportional to right. the derivative of volume, which is surface area, right. and that's scalable to give you the volume. And yes, the scale invariance is why this 
theory has so much merit. And I talked about it before, the boundary and the bulk, uh, the bulk space. Um, but yes, it is scale invariant. So on the boundary, on this lower dimensional state, we have, sorry, quantum, it's like, it's functioning, they believe, through quantum field theory, and it's non-gravitational. But through that, since scale invariant, once you see it in the next dimension, you see it as um, string theory with gravitation and stuff like that. And you keep going and going and going. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, dude, I've gone so deep in this. I have, like, like four pages of notes that I <laughs> try to condense down into this uh, amount of space. But I don't know. And, like, we don't know if it's absolutely sure. And there are certain stopgaps to it. The stopgap is... Um, the inflationary universe. If so, we right now currently do not know. We cannot tell the difference whether the universe is finite or the universe is infinite. If it was infinite, then um, I read that you would see that information would no longer be based off of surface area. It would actually be based off of volume in that sense. Okay. Because if it, if the universe was infinite, right. if that's the case. It's like the slapping of the pillar thing. It takes this out of the. I think, the frame. I think that part makes more sense to me. Uh huh. Because, I mean, okay. So you said your hero was one of your heroes was yeah. Stephen Hawking, right? Yeah. One of mine too, right? And yeah. famously, one of the things he said in his uh, studying of black holes yeah. was that God just might be playing dice with the universe. And, right? and Einstein was the one that says God doesn't play any dice. The, yeah, <laughs> doesn't exactly. play dice with the universe. Exactly. Yeah, it's a battle here. Yeah, which is interesting because, all right. So if you go into a personal lives, right? Einstein yeah. already believed in God before he began. His exactly. Wonderful pursuit in science, right? Yeah. Stephen Hawking actually found God through his scientific uh, discoveries, right. right? So it's just interesting, right? I think I think there's just something there that we can't process. That yeah. And I mean, that's what makes sense, right? What if God is just like this perfect, unreplicable uh, uh -huh. RNG, I right? Think. Just random number generation, oh, yeah. but oh, it's perfect, right? Perfect. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the God concept the of perfect randomness is kind of like an oxymoron. Right, yeah. But yeah. it could be. Oh, you know? yeah, exactly, yeah. It's taking me a little bit of think. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't know. There's a lot of these things that, like, like there's certain things in physics that – we know that we just can't get to like many roads interpretation it uh i don't know if you're familiar with it but it's basically the measurement problem instead of collapsing the wave function all the different probabilities on the wave function actually exist and you just the many worlds in uh once you're doing a like a quantum interaction the many worlds split and all of these possibilities exist so what's interesting about that too i think um, is that like yeah. All matter has a wave function. Right? Yeah. Oh, right. Thanks Ex to Brigoli. Exactly. Yeah. And you can't just jump, but like you, you can't get to the alternate uh, universe once the wave function decoheres, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, certain things like that. In the book now, I'm reading um, the the possibility to if we had um, uh, negative matter or a negative energy to create anti gravity, which is basically how inflation. Uh, function through the Big Bang. If we were able to do that, we would create. We would be able to create a whole another universe if we found this matter. The only problem is, once it inflates, it just it escaped from our entire like. We wouldn't even be able to see it anymore. It wouldn't expand between our space time. It would create like a whole another pocket of space time that we wouldn't even be able to observe anymore. So it's, it's these like unreachable things, and one of those may be God, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man, it's like 
Yeah. Come on. It kind of reminds me of um, like that biblical story, the Tower of Babel. Right? Okay. Yeah. You try yeah. so hard to build up to find him. Yeah. And you just. Oh yeah, I love this story. It's the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Right. I said it earlier. I don't know if y'all heard me, but I think God is the explanation for pseudoscience. Okay. Like everything that we can't understand that uh-huh. may not be applicable with mathematics. Okay. Oh, I agree, one hundred percent. Because yeah. like, I mean, I mean, you go to church and when you see like people falling out, right. just from one prayer. Yeah. Like, yeah. What Whoa. happens that person? Whoa, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? The Holy Ghost moving crazy. Right. And then like and like you said before, maybe he's an RNG, like this this mathematics maybe it could just be our human because we know language is flawed. Maybe it's just our way of like rationalizing how he moves type of thing. Yeah. So I mean understanding the natural world though is uh, from the religious perspective created by God. Right. So uh, okay. technically understanding God's ways. Right. Right. right I mean right. that's a, a way to view science. Uh huh. So yeah, and that's like, and I love bridging the two. Um, a lot of people are like, they don't oh, do super it. Super against it. So right. many people. So many people are against it. It's, uh, I, I was gonna use the word stubborn, but like, yes, m- a lot of people are against it. But me existing between both, like, and maybe you as well. Yeah, like I, I do. Yeah, I, I'm able to like, I find especially in theoretical physics, because they're completely against yeah. it. I'm able to bridge both. Yeah. And I, you help On me do the that. Topic actually, of religion. Mm-hmm. I have no explanation for this. Okay. Um, Adam and Eve and evolution. How yeah. do they go hand in hand? Oh. Uh, well, wait, well, wait. Before, before then, like, well, actually, never. No, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, right? So, Adam and Eve didn't live in our world, right? They lived in the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. which was basically this world, but at its most perfect form, right? Trees were perfect. Grass was perfect. All matter was perfect there. One imperfect thing was the sin. Yeah. Uh huh. And that being the tree of knowledge, right? Yeah. Once they committed that sin, right? Eating from the tree of knowledge, uh, everything, well, God banished them from the Garden of Eden, right? So from perfection. And basically everything was reduced to something worse, right? So you had to work hard for a plant to grow. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the Garden of Eden, if you wanted a plant to grow, it would just grow, Right. right? Um, you had to sow the ground. The ground, oh, now weeds are a thing, right? Yeah. Now, uh, like, all these different things that are, like, like, for me, at least, I hate walking outside barefoot. (laughs) Right. You'll step on something, and, you know, next thing you know, you have a cut. Right, yeah. And that could get infected, and a whole plethora of things, right? So, but in the Garden of Eden, that didn't exist, right? Um, It wasn't possible for land to be scorched, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Irrigation wasn't even an issue because it's like well it's gonna grow anyways right? right so yeah i mean it's kind of hard to compare the two because th- we I didn't share the same world yeah i think there's a disconnect there yeah. and i mean i don't know i i i haven't really put too much thought into that uh just because as a few fu- I'm, I'm a futurist so the, my purposes of looking into history is to look at trends so i can mm-hmm. predict trends for the future so i yeah well do you guys agree sure. with the sentiment that knowledge is power oh yeah absolutely so, absolutely 100%. Well, I, that was obvious uh yeah. i think the name of the the tree of knowledge is significant okay because the apple that grew up off of that tree represented knowledge okay. that's what the tree was named after uh-huh. so do you believe that knowledge or power rather is inherently evil is sin well it wasn't like knowledge as in i can do this math equation yeah. it was like knowledge as in of good and evil right? yeah like wisdom yeah yeah wisdom is knowledge plus experience yeah so but so do you think that has sin what power 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, so you eat the apple, right? Mm-hmm. Now you know all good and all evil. Mm-hmm. Um, there are. I think there are some aspects of good that are evil, and some aspects of evil that are good, right? Okay. One of those being war. War is like an innately evil concept, mm-hmm. but a positive that we get from it is the economy goes up, right? Right. So, um, it's just. I think okay, it's like once they ate that apple, they got the rule book, mm-hmm. right? Of how God sees um, human actions, right? And so, or how God they get the viewpoint of what God is seeing, right? And so then they're able to realize, hey. You're naked. <laughs> I was like, "How'd you know?" Now I'm self-conscious. Yeah. Right. Then they start. First thing they do is start wearing clothes. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Then the second thing they do is, once you know good and evil, right? You try to blend the two to make yourself look good, right? So yeah. the second thing they do is lie. They right. lie to God, saying, "Oh, well, I didn't eat from the tree. I just wanted to put clothes on, mm-hmm. right?" And it's like, sure. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, it's it's very interesting. I um, kind of think it's like you know, like the three monkeys: hear no evil, speak no evil, see no see no evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think maybe pure like pure good. Mm-hmm. It would be the lack of knowledge of evil, being iv- ignorant of the evil things of the world, mm-hmm. which is how they lived beforehand. Yeah. I don't know. I, me, me, and the whole good versus evil thing. Uh, I don't know. Just because I'm so like uh, attached to like subjective realities and like time dilation really woke me up to that because if we all turn this way then Emery's receiving the photons from that tree before either of us like little things like that in nature like we we exist on different time planes time dilation time dilation time dilation like like just like the subject nature of reality like certain things like good and evil and stuff like I just I don't know some sometimes like there's like things that we're like okay yeah this is definitely good this is definitely evil and then there's other times like I feel like it's just like a kind of like a muck I don't know it's kind of all mixed in together there like, is like Plato people yeah. people just think of good and evil but there is neutral yeah. um okay my friends well we had some technical difficulties no do you mean deep state difficulties deep state difficulties we have been for basically like what like 40 minutes like just been trying to figure our just our mic audio cut off so i haven't edited this yet i don't know what we've lost and what we still have but this is still one of the greatest episodes of the lightning brothers of all time the longest episode the longest episode i honestly can say like just like having drawn here was just for one an amazing experience just i love the brain bouncing that we have going on here between the three of us. I learned something and it's just like Drawn was talking about earlier, how he loved it so much. And he's about to talk about it in a second, but like, it's like, this is a drug. This just, it feels good. It feels good to sit here and discuss. And this is what we need for the future of humanity. We need more civil and just great discussions like this. Right. Um, and so, we'll say it again, Jaron, you're coming back on. Oh yeah. He's coming, coming back, back on, on whether he likes it or not. Um, <laughs> yeah um so um since we, it's a problem with our mics and stuff so we don't have the third mic i'm gonna let jaron uh talk about uh this the show real quick and then we're gonna sign off so as i ask every guest jaron what do you think about your enlightened experience so i really love my enlightened experience um uh i'm very thankful that as caleb said uh he was able to learn things um and i learned things from him as well and from emory as well so like 
they probably mentioned, like, I've seen every episode, right, start to finish, mm-hmm. right, because I support my boys, right, and, yes, sir, and the reason why I love the podcast so much is because there's not a lot of people, especially our age, especially in our demographic, right, that want, truly, truly, truly want to be great, and to be great, you have to do things that are anonymous anomalous anomalous there we go that's the word right so if you want to be an anomaly you have to act like one who else can you name in your life that has a podcast right i mean the only ones i can name are caleb and emory um and to be on it i'm forever grateful for the opportunity and i mean i guess part of the reason i got i got brought on was because of the book right i mean uh the book made me an anomaly i mean i can't name a lot of people that wrote a book especially in my demographic at my age um, and yeah, I, I truly think that people that do, people who like just what they do, it's just an anomaly to the rest of the, of the world. They're the ones that end up becoming great, right? They don't come to this world just to live in it within its confines. They come to, to push buttons and mess around and see what they can produce and change the world for the better. And that's what this podcast is doing. Um, it's just like a microcosm. And I think in the future, you'll see Emery, uh, Caleb, me, myself, and uh, probably a lot of the guests that are on here be leaders in the future. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in 30 years, when this video resurfaces on the news, um, and I'm, I don't know, uh, maybe I get a Nobel Prize for neurosurgery or something. Caleb is a billionaire, gang, a tech gang. billionaire. Gang, gang. Emery is acknowledged as one of the greatest philosophers the world has ever seen. And... Um, you, I don't know. You see us at dinner at like Red Lobster or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? That would just, that's the thing, right? Like yeah. that would just make for an amazing story. Yeah. Right. Like I, and I, it's just, you, it can't describe it. Right. I mean, and when you go through hardships, you're like, Oh, why am I going through this? But in the end, when you just look back on it, you're like, it's that made it. for one heck of a story. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know, it's just very interesting. I mean, we'll hold up to our word, right? You'll see us where we say we're going to be. Our so. legacies are going to be unmatched. And, Jerron, we're thankful for everything you said, thankful for everything. But there was one misconception you had. What? You said we brought you on because of your book. No, 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 no. No, I get what he's saying. we brought you on because you're the ghost. Because you are J. Ron Johnson. Because (laughs) we see you in the classroom. We go to school with Jerron. And Jerron is excellent. Like, you see somebody that you can be studious. Yeah. But intelligence and true wisdom, that's another form of intelligence in itself. And Jerron, he exceeds me, I'll say, in, like, all facets, facets of education, and he's somebody to be admired. Jerron's younger than both me and yeah. Caleb, and his intelligence exceeds or rivals ours. And, like, it's completely crazy. And let me tell you something about Jerron. There's certain people, like, I just, like, I stick, I stick to other people. How I function, I, I function through people, through, through music. Like, it's just, like, it's just, like, certain, like, little quirky things about me. Maybe it's just I'm human, right? But, like, Jerron has inspired me to do, to do many things, right? And I can remember back in the day, we were both in the same chemistry class. And this was back before I embraced the geekdom. And, like, I knew the stuff, but I was, like, nah man I don't want to do this chemistry stuff I just want to dribble shoot hoops type of thing and I saw this dude answering every question and I was like hold on I'll be damned if he's the only one answering the questions for one and for two I was like 
yo, this is super cool. And Jerron was one of the factors that led me to embracing what I really had underneath. Because before I got into sports, that was who I was. And then, like, I sort of shielded myself from that because I wanted to fully immerse myself into basketball and stuff like that. So, yeah, Jerron was definitely one of the big points that got me to, to – or big – pieces that got me to the point that I am at today so I'm forever indebted to Jerron for that and that started me like reading for and like then both both of us started answering chemistry and it was just only two of us right but like it's like stuff like that and then like the book actually the book I was like yo hold on you can write books as a teenager I want to do that. So I started in some of my Ivy League essays uh, because I actually started to write a science, a sci-fi book as well. I don't like using the word sci-fi, by the way. But I started writing uh, like a little short story as well. And I started, I used pieces of that in my essays. And like, I can truly say Drawn is like just absolutely inspiring person all three of us are I hear it from people telling me I'm that I'm sure Emery hears that from other people and I can definitely say it right now both of you are inspiring that's just the enlightening experience and it's just I love it man it's the you can't you don't get something like this anywhere one thing about me I want to say is I believe myself at the age of 10 was more enlightened than I am now. Whoa, okay. It's weird because I feel like somewhere along the way, along the journey of life that I've been experiencing, I lost something. Like maybe that's that spark. Uh-huh. And like one, I haven't said it before, but one of the like things that drives me to do this podcast yeah. is to find that again, not yeah. necessarily my purpose, yeah. but like what made me like seek the world, seek knowledge. And you guys are very key proponents into like, like, uh, you called it inspiring, but like, yeah. it's like it's it's such engine. a deep. It's an engine. It's a deep respect. Yeah. yeah, it's a deep respect that says like, these people, they did they do what I once believed that I could do. Exactly. So like, let me try to find find what makes me want to do that once again. And that's the whole point of the human experience, anyway. Like we. we we shouldn't just be battling each other. Like some people, they respect others. They see because not everybody can do everything. There's stuff. I do that y'all don't. There's stuff that y'all do that I don't. Instead of like planes, man. God damn. Damn you, Deep State. (laughs) Deep State has been trying to look at that. Deep State has been trying to ruin our podcast for this whole day. But instead of like being enemies, we inspire each other, and that—that's the greatest part about it. Um, And then Emery, when you talk about finding your spark, bro. Once you find the spark. Are you going to be s***, bro? Are you going to be s***? How did you jump to that? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, <dude. laughs> Why are you ridiculing me right now? I, I went deep. I went deep. It's, I searched in the crevices of my soul. I searched in the crevices of my soul. And I, I laid my heart on my sleeve. And you talk about s***. All for the better. Hell yeah, I'm going to smash. Oh, no. Let's go. Let's go. That's the best part of comedy. You do oh, it yeah. right at the worst moments. But no, in all honesty, like I couldn't, I couldn't love an experience more. I couldn't agree more than what you guys are saying. I love you guys' stories. And the thing is, like, we all life functions through stories, and all three of us have great stories to tell. And like, once we get to this point, man, we're gonna be running the world. I can't wait. I can't wait. I used to think. Well, we're, we're this is a whole discussion. Yeah, of we, can't, we can't. <laughs> I just want to end it with this. Yeah, I used to think 
like I want to do something that makes me remembered among everybody. Yeah. Like I want to be at the pedestal that like people like I'll be the I'll be the standard okay. for what greatness is. Yeah. But this podcast, like one thing I can truly say, like the the greatest thing that I've learned is greatness comes in many forms, and it's so simple. But sometimes you lose track of the simple things, and yeah, amazing man. Hey, the Enlightened Brothers signing off. Thank you, Jerron, again. Episode nineteen. Peace out. Peace and love. Yeah.